3: It is Tuesday, July 2nd, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, a lot of returns. Our Chicago Reader colleague Maya Duke-Masova will return and join us. It's the return of preservationist Andrew Schneider and also making his return gardening guru and host of the mike novak show mike novak and now your host a man who's been dying to get some gardening tips <laughs> since summer started chicago reader columnist ben Jarofsky. Yeah, hello
4: everybody ben Jarofsky here we're calling this donnie's best friend tuesday And here's why. Welcome back from a great weekend. You have a good weekend, D? Yes, I did. Although weekend was a few days ago. I spent most of the weekend obsessively following the NBA free agency, but I'm under a a vow from Dr. D. Don't talk sports. I want to talk about it too, but I can hold back. Don't talk about it. All right, so I'm not going to talk. Try not to talk about it, but it's bursting out of me. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, where's he going to go? Sorry. Not (laughs) gonna talk about it. saw three one two three movies this Whoa. weekend all right sounds like a regular weekend for binge watching. overlord great flick uh i enjoyed it immensely it's a zombie flick uh that's a world war ii flick at the same time it's two 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 movies in one uh i rented that one but the best movie out there right now folks uh if you have an opportunity the last black man in san francisco say no more Great movie, in my humble opinion. I'm going to get Chris Buddy in on this and Sergio Mims. Best movie of 2019. Whoa. Yep. It's, it's July. Yep. Yeah, I know. I know. We got half a year. Good point. <laughs> a lot of year left. Good point. Up till now, I'll say. And man, it's not even Halloween season. Uh, Yes. There's some great movies coming. <laughs> a scary movie. Overlord is a scary movie, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah, zombies. <laughs> anyway. Woke up to discover that neoconservatives... Throughout (laughs) Throughout America are just in a tizzy. They don't know what to do, D. All right? On one hand. A tizzy. Yeah, they're in a tizzy. They don't know who to vote for. On the one hand, Donald Trump, the current president of the United States, is an abomination. And even neocons, even conservative columnists can't bring themselves to vote for him. On the other hand, well, they don't like the liberal policies and the liberal platforms uttered by the Democratic candidates at last week's presidential debate particularly health care for all. Somehow or other, they just can't stand the concept of health care for all. They just don't want people to have to give up their private insurance schemes because people love their private insurance. Well, anyway, that's a discussion for another matter. They also don't like the Democratic uh, candidates speaking in Spanish. They think that's pandering. So they're just like in a tizzy D. They don't know what to do. They 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 can't vote for Trump, but they don't like the Democrats, as David Brooks, a uh, neoconservative columnist for The New York Times, put it. I would never in a million years vote for Donald Trump. So my questions to Democrats is, <laughs> will there be a candidate, a Democratic candidate I can vote for? Hmm. Meanwhile, in the story, over the weekend, paper, uh, the Sun-Times had this story about Donald Trump meeting with uh, Vladimir Putin, President Putin. During last week's G20 summit in Japan, and they were filled with jokes and joy at meeting with one another. I'll just give you one example. Here's from the story. As the two leaders sat down for their first meeting in nearly a year, a reporter asked Trump if he would warn Putin not to meddle in America's upcoming 2020 election. Of course, the president replied. Then he turned to Putin and facetiously said, Don't meddle in the election. He playfully repeated the quest request while pointing at Putin, who laughed, <laughs> meddling in the election. Ho That's ho a Great ho. Putin. <laughs> How about the laughter? And then on the issue of freedom of press, they had this exchange. The two leaders also bonded Friday over their mutual disdain for quote fake news unquote. Trump eyed the reporters at a photo opportunity with the Russian leader and told them and told Putin quote. Get rid of them. Fake news. You don't have the problem in Russia. We have it. You don't have it. To which Putin responded, yes, yes, we have it the same. Ha, 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 ho, ho, ho. Meanwhile, in Russia, Ivan Golunov, an investigative reporter, wrote about shady funeral business dealings in Russia. And basically the story that he reported was that gangsters have taken control of the funeral business and are muscling out the opposition and they're allowed to do so in part because they have good contacts with the police and federal prosecutors who look the other way. So what did the police do when they learned about uh, Golanov's revelations? Did they crack down on the funeral operators who are operating like gangsters? Oh no. They threw Golanov in jail under trumped up no pun intended, charges of, uh, of having drugs. They planted drugs on him, threw him in jail, kept him there for about a week or so, and then they let him go. This was happening just before Trump and Putin met uh, in Japan and laughed about fake news, laughed about how to deal with reporters. So this is my advice to David Brooks and all the other neoconservative columnists and journalists out there, who are in a tizzy, D, as to who to vote for. I don't know if the Democrats themselves can give you a reason uh, for voting for them, but voting against Donald Trump has got to be reason enough. We got a great show today. Maya's here. She just dropped in, dropped off a suitcase and then took off somewhere. But I presume she'll be back at 1.30. We'll we'll talk about the debates, talk about local politics, all sorts of good things with Maya. Mike Novak, the star of his own radio show, will be here. We're talking environmental news with Mike. Always good to have Mike in the studio. By the way, me, also talk about his outstanding softball playing, D. I heard four for four. Four for four. Of course, I have no My independent goodness. corroboration of that. Mike Novak just told me that. Uh, so I just have to assume he's telling the truth. So is Don Mattingly coming on the show or <laughs> Mike Novak? No. <laughs> Very good. An 80s reference. Uh, Andrew Schneider will be here as well. Preservationist will be talking about, among other things, the p- potential sale the Thompson Center. And he also dug up some interesting uh, uh, documents from the past having to do with Chicago politicians. So a lot of local political talk, state political talk, environmental talk. Uh, Maya here in the studio already. It's good to see she brought her suitcase just in case she wants to settle in for a while. So we have a lot to look forward to with today's show. But first, the doctor with the news.
3: Now a doctor. All right, everybody, it's the middle of the day. And before we begin with the national news this afternoon, we should uh, mention our holiday schedule. Seems like a good time to do that. Thursday, July 4th, you know, the 4th of July. Obviously we will have no live show. Friday, July 5th, also no live show. And we'll be back with live shows on Tuesday. But do not worry because we will be working feverishly behind the scenes this week with new pre-recorded interviews for you to download. We call them Benny J bonus interviews. Downloadable only at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites. Chicago.suntimes.com dot forward slash jarovsky ChicagoReader.com and Wherever else you download your favorite podcasts, we're now on Spotify. Tell a friend. Details on the bonus shows coming soon, but once again, Thursday and Friday, no live show. Sorry, YouTube live stream nation. But go subscribe and download those bonus interviews when they become available.
0: All right, on to the national news. We're thinking about doing on the Fourth of July or thereabouts a parade, a salute to America parade. It'll be a uh, really a gathering as opposed to a parade, I guess you'd have to say. Uh, Uh, perhaps at the Lincoln Memorial we're looking at sites but we're thinking about doing something which would become perhaps a tradition salute to America on July 4th or July 4th weekend somewhere around that area and David you're taking charge of that and you'll see how it uh, how it works out with schedules and everything else and I think it could be a very exciting day
3: So that was a clip from our president back in February. And sadly, that David guy did not drop the ball. (laughs) Who is David? I don't know. We're two days away from the fourth and Trump administration is going through with the fourth of July parade at the nation's capital. Now, we tried this last year, but turns out it would cost over one hundred million dollars. But they came up with a plan this time around. They really want this parade to happen. Team Trump has co-opted with the annual with the annual fireworks show at the National Mall in D.C. Uh, And then he threw a catchy Title on it to really seal the deal. So on Thursday, get ready for a salute. To America on the docket for the parade, a military uh, fireworks display, a flyover, a speech from the president. Hold on, is
4: this just a Trump rally? Yes, I think it's a Trump rally with uh, planes and yeah, tanks.
3: Yeah, and military tanks. Here's the president uh, just recently.
0: So salute to America, and I'm going to be here, I'm going to say a few words, and we're going to have planes going overhead, the best fighter jets in the world, and other planes too. And we're going to have some tanks stationed outside got to be pretty careful with the tanks because the roads have a tendency not to like to carry heavy tanks so we have to put them in certain areas but we have the brand new Sherman tanks so we have the brand new uh, Abrams tanks
4: yeah, rest the roads, who cares? Yeah, destroy them. We're going to be talking about that uh, later, about Illinois' roads, and now we're having to raise the gas tax to uh, repair them. What are they going to do once they destroy the streets of Washington with the tanks? Is Donald Trump going to ask his pals to kick in like he, they did for his inauguration? Uh, is he going to take back the the tax hike, the, excuse me, the tax break he, ga- uh, he gave to the billionaires and the millionaires? Is he going to do that to finance? Could- he can ask
2: his buddy Vladimir Putin about how they handle the military parades. How, how, how a city street can handle that kind of weight.
4: Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, maybe he gets some tips from Putin. Apparently, he's already getting his tips on how to deal with the free press um, from Vladimir Putin. So maybe he can also get some tips on how to deal with tanks in parade. Yes, the May Day Parade. <laughs> well, in the old days of the Soviet Union, was a big deal. They had tanks going down uh, the streets in, in Moscow. So maybe, maybe uh, uh, Gorbachev can give uh, him some tips. I'm trying to think of some Soviet leaders who are still around that can help. Uh, Donald Trump figure out how to bring tanks uh, through the streets of Washington.
3: In other news, and because the segue is right there in our faces, it looks like Democrats are planning their own fireworks celebration. That's Mm. right. House Democrats have sued the U.S. Treasury for Trump's tax returns.
4: Yeah. Uh, anything else on that story? No, that's it. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about that, Maya? Get those tax. Le- le- why don't they parade his tax returns at the Fourth of July? You know, s- put him on the tanks and uh, have the whole country, have the whole world see his tax returns.
2: Yeah. Um. I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. Uh. Except for that, I feel like this will be a very slow process. It'll be, you know. Like when you put food coloring in a in a cup of water and it slowly disperses like that is the fireworks show of getting Trump's tax returns yeah. through the courts.
4: Yeah, no, Donald Trump will fight every uh, every attempt to turn over his taxes. And uh, obviously he's concealing something. Uh and uh, either he's make, he, he's embarrassed by the amount of money he actually makes because he's always proclaiming he's the smartest businessman in the world, uh, or else he's concealing some shady business dealings that he has somewhere in the world that perhaps makes him vulnerable to blackmail, um, or maybe he's concealing uh, evidence that he was fraudulent somehow or other in his taxes. I don't know what he's concealing, but he's fighting like hell to keep that information, which, by the way, I think every other presidential candidate is already... Uh, 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 released, even Bernie, who was reluctant to release it, uh, released his a few months back. So uh, that is uh, absolutely correct. Donald Trump will fight that all the way, if necessary, up to uh, the November 2020 election.
3: All right. And let's end out the national news here with some 2020 Democratic presidential candidate updates. First up, Bernie is bringing in the dough for the top one percent than the
1: bottom. Ninety two percent. Forty nine percent of all the income goes to the top one percent.
3: All right, we get that you love percentages. All right, Bernie? We get it. Just in the last three months, Democratic presidential candidate Bernie Sanders raised $18 million Mm. for his campaign. Add that to another $6 million he had previously raised. And Bernie Sanders now has a second quarter campaign total of. Hold on. Let me get the calculator here. Carry the one. All right. Hold on. Wait for it. Okay.
4: Wait. (laughs) Hold on. Uh, Twenty-four million dollars. Well, I tell you what, man. Is your name Biss? <laughs> good God, are you good at math? I'm yeah. telling you.
3: According to the Bernie campaign, 99.3 percent of their nearly one million contributions were from were for one hundred dollars or less, and 45 percent of donors are 39 years old or younger. Mm. That total still puts Bernie behind Mayor Pete Pete Buttigieg. His three month earnings:
4: 24.8 million dollars. Mm. from Mayor Pete, the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. I was
3: going to ask you, it seems like uh, in our circle, old Buttigieg is becoming less and less popular by the minutes. (laughs) But according to this news, are we the minority here?
4: Uh, Well, first of all, it would not be the first time that I held a minority opinion about a politician in the Democratic Party. That is for certain. Uh, Maya, what's your thoughts on Mayor Pete?
2: Uh, You know my thoughts on Mayor Pete. What I want to know is, have you had somebody come on this show who sincerely likes and believes in Mayor Pete?
4: Uh, Because I I just,
2: I don't understand. It's like, I just feel like Mayor Pete is for people who have no imagination.
4: Well, to answer your question, um, there is somebody I had on the show who was a believer in Mayor Pete, but then they heard... Uh, my interview uh, with Henry Davis, who's the councilman mm-hmm. from South Bend, who's very critical of Mayor Pete mm-hmm. uh, on racial issues and how he presided over uh, South Bend. And th- that person now doesn't <laughs> like Mayor Pete anymore. So uh, I'm trying to think I, at the moment I cannot think of anybody who is a strong Mayor Pete. So maybe I'm missing something. There's
2: here. a, there's a business in, in Andersonville uh, and an antique shop. I feel comfortable enough saying it's an antique shop because there's a, very many antique shops in Andersonville, but there's an antique shop with prominently displayed P 2020 signs. And I've, I have not seen them anywhere else. And I don't know the people that run that business, uh, and I've never talked to them about their political views, but yeah, it's, it, it, it's truly baffling to me when you have such a wide array of candidates to choose from more than 20, um, 20 we're debating alone, you know, uh, that <laughs> you would go with Mayor Pete.
4: Uh, well, Mayor Pete, uh, let's put it this way. I, I got my first glimpse of him in action uh, during the debates. Okay. I read about him and I'd seen some footage of him, but I'd, uh, I'd never seen him on his feet, so to speak. And so I could see he was a smooth talker and uh, that uh, he's a quick thinker. But um, I was left from that debate with some concerns about Mayor Pete and particularly his response to race relations in the city that he's been the mayor of for how many years now? Eight years. And it's all of a sudden now that he's running for president that he seems to have discovered the problems of uh, policing in black communities and the problems of just general race relations and i just i find that curious that he would only discover that at this <laughs> moment when he's uh running for mayor listen i'm running for president i understand a lot of the candidates and we can talk about this later when we get into the segment uh are dealing with how do i put this Uh, changes their evolution as human beings and as politicians as they run for president Uh, kamala harris has some questionable behavior as attorney general i understand that uh but um i would say the thing you know the one of the great achievements that mayor Pete could run on is that uh, he was a champion of improving race relations, and it seemed like he just discovered that it was an issue. So, yeah, I'm not quite really understanding the Mayor Pete phenomenon, D. But it's obviously a strong one. The guy got twenty four million dollars in three months, so somebody must like him.
3: No one from our show gave him any money. All right, and finally, it's our uh, first poll since last week's Democratic presidential debates. Well, sort of. You guys remember those debates last week, by the way? We're gonna get
5: to everybody. I promise. Candidates, please. Right. we will let permission. all of these you speakers, like so no, it's my turn.
4: Good times. I love those debates. Good times. I love them. All
3: right, now everybody's going to get a chance to speak. They were just talking at the same time. Uh, no, this poll has been taken among those of the pro- uh, progressive persuasion. It was for members of the Indivisible group only, and the poll was done via email. And move over, Bernie Sanders, they may have a new candidate crush at Indivisible. After the first round of debates, a new poll conducted of supporters of Divisible, the uber-progressive group that really came about uh, during the 2016 presidential election. The email poll followed finds that indivisible members have a favorable, I can't talk today, a favorable opinion of U.S. Senators Elizabeth Warren and Kamala Harris after debate night's round one.
4: I'm not surprised. By the way, Marge Halper will be in the studio in a week. Uh, she's one of the leaders of Indivisible here in Chicago. love to hear what she has to say on this subject. I'm not surprised uh, that Kamala Harris is suddenly doing well. Uh, I'm not surprised that Elizabeth Warren is doing well. by Leah, we're reporting in later in the show. She was our correspondent at the Elizabeth Warren rally on Friday. I'm not at all surprised. I'm going to talk to Maya about this. Uh, Kamala Harris was very strong in her presentation on Thursday and gave people just like a very uh, a sense of, I would say, hope that she would be the type of candidate who could defeat Donald Trump, which I think is the number one issue uh, in this coming uh, election. So I'm not surprised that the indivisible people who who basically emerged overnight uh, in the aftermath of the Donald Trump uh, victory. So I've been saying this all along. Uh, Not everybody agrees with me when they come in the studio and we'll get Maya's thoughts on this in a little while. The number one issue in this coming election is defeating Donald Trump. And uh, as I said earlier, if the neoconservative pundits for the New York times are struggling with some of the more liberal points of views of Democrats, I think they cannot ignore this almost like um, these repressive instincts I don't want to use the word fascistic because that's a powerful word, but there's the totalitarian instincts of the man who is the president of the supposed free country, the free government. And we've always cherished things like the notion of a free press and the concept of a free press. And I think that Trump joking with Putin over the weekend about dealing with fake news and dealing with reporters should send a shudder throughout America, especially when we look at the 4th of July. What do we cherish in our country? What ideals do we cherish in our country? And the notion that Donald Trump would give the middle finger to these ideals and then talk about bringing tanks in the streets of Washington as like, that's how we're going to celebrate America. I, I just think it should give a lot of Americans pause.
3: Now, of course, we will keep you posted on these stories as today's program rolls along. And we're moving on because coming up after this short little break, we're going to find out what's going on locally. We're going to find out what else is news. Don't go anywhere. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food Today's Ben Jaromsky show was brought to you in part by Chicago Architecture Center. Discover the breadth and majesty of Chicago's architecture on a Chicago Architecture Center bus tour. From bungalows to Bauhaus, our expert docents will share the fascinating stories behind our city's architecture. Book your tour at architecture.org slash tours. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm actually on a bus tour right now. Oh, my, look at that wonderful piece of architecture. Get a special discount for Illinois residents from July 15th to August 15th. All Illinois residents get 50% off select walking tours. Visit architecture.org slash il resident. Commercial break over. Welcome back to the Ben Jarowski Show. Live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Yes, indeed, we are live. It's time for the local news, Dr. D. All right, we're about to find out what's going on locally. Time for what else is news. You know, it's hard to believe, but we're already halfway through the year 2019. That is hard to believe. And if I can use one word to describe the past seven months when it comes to Illinois politics, that word would be transformative. Mm. All right? Flashback to July 2018, before Mm. Ben was... Fire from Terrestrial Radio, you know, those days. And the time that? what's that? W C U R Fire. I just, okay. the I just forgot
4: the name of it. Yeah,
3: yeah. And uh, <laughs> and a time when damn near every story, yeah. every day Every day. Uh, day. Involved how far behind and inept the state of Illinois was. (laughs) And it was all thanks to this guy. Yay for our teachers. (laughs) Yay for our teachers. That's right. Former Illinois governor, Uh, Bruce Rauner. How could I forget Bruce? But now here we are, seven months into the year, Mm. with the new Democratic governor, one J.B. Pritzker. We got a fair tax initiative on the upcoming ballot. We got an infrastructure bill. Legal gambling and uh, gaming is on the way. Casinos are coming to Chicago. And starting in 2020, recreational marijuana will be legal in the state of Illinois,
4: after years of neglect,
3: Illinois is finally getting its mojo back, and we're open for business. <laughs> Who's Bruce Rader again? Rauner? <laughs> but, but all Bruce that, who? But all of that does come with a price, literally. Mm-hmm. And leave it to us here in Illinois to still find something to complain about. Enter. The gas and cigarette tax. Ooh. Oh, my. I'm scared. It. <laughs> Been scared. The tax went into effect Monday. And the following comes from, I'd say, Ben Jirotsky's favorite source, uh, source for Illinois news the Southern Illinoisan. Okay.
4: Southern Illinois. (laughs) Not familiar with that publication?
3: Oh, no, you love it. Quit acting like you don't know (laughs) I got a subscription. Yes, you do. (laughs) The first wave of tax increases that will pay for the state's $45 billion capital infrastructure plan will take place Mm -hmm. Monday, July 1st, a.k.a. yesterday. Motor fuel, cigarettes, and e-cigarettes will become more expensive after Pritzker signed Senate bills one nine three nine and six nine zero on friday the most direct tax for consumers will be the 19 cent increase to the motor fuel tax which will help fund the 33 billion dollars in spending on transportation projects such as road and bridge repairs and public transit now ben before we go any further your thoughts complaints gripes praises or grievances on the new gas tax
4: well i'm uh, typical, inconsistent, uh, uh voter in Illinois on the one hand I say hey we need to come up with money uh, to pay for needed road repairs and infrastructure repairs and on the other hand when I have to pay it I'm like oh my god I'm going to Indiana to buy my gas and as a matter of fact Dee I will be going to Indiana I'll be going to Indiana visit some friends for the fourth of July they have their annual party live in northwestern Indiana not far from Gary and so I'll be visiting them and I will be tempted Dee to hold off on my purchase of gasoline. Uh, till I get to the Hoosier State. All right? My good friends, Hoosiers. People are surprised I got friends in Hoosier land. I got friends in Hoosier land, okay? All right? Stacy Davis Gates is from Indiana. Did you know that? Yes. All right. Uh, but for the good of Illinois' roads, I'm going to sacrifice, and I'm going to buy my gas in Chicago, even though, my it's going to cost me about 20 cents more at least at least 20 cents more just to account for that tax to fix the roads, but listen the big problem here i understand it's a regressive tax uh the big problem in illinois and throughout the country is we're more and more dependent on regressive taxes taxes on sales items that everybody consumes so it's unfair our healthcare system go get me started this i just had this uh, just burst of inspiration re- revelation maya then i realized our health care system is so regressive because essentially the the billionaire for, I, I told this to our good friend Philip, by the way. I just have to go on this tangent within a tangent, Maya. If uh, Bruce Rauner got a job as a staff writer at The Reader, oh, just <laughs> think about that for a moment, okay?
0: Okay. Okay? Uh, okay?
4: And he had to work under you. Well, mm-hmm. Maya, you're my editor now. Oh. Bruce Rauner, <laughs> covering covering uh, political issues for The Chicago Reader. All right, just think about that. Okay. He would pay the same premium that I would pay. And yet he's worth 50 million, he gets 50 million a year, and you know I don't get 50 million a year. What is more unfair and regressive than our way of paying for healthcare in this country? That's just another example, i better just throw that out to you, think about mm-hmm. that, you talk about that later, and just could also comment on the thought of Bruce Roner working for The Reader. Uh, and so it gets back to the um, the gas tax, which is unfair, the soda pap tax was unfair, uh, to the cigarette tax is unfair if you're charging a flat sales tax on items that people of all economic backgrounds uh, are going to uh, buy or they need to buy in some cases like gasoline uh then it's unfair d so we have to move to a more progressive fair tax and yet there's strong resistance to that in this country until we overcome that resistance until we head into the more fair tax we're going to be stuck with these regressive taxes like gasoline and so i will do my part when I go into Indiana this weekend, I promise, make my pledge, I will buy my gasoline in Chicago.
3: All right, and I want you to promise us that now. Mm-hmm.
4: Oh, no, I'm like, I oh, don't. Worry. And you go see her driving through Indiana. You not only see firework, fire, firecrackers, get your firecrackers. Who's your land? They're so proud of that. You see cheap gas, cheap gas. But nope, I will
3: not not be tempted. Now, right now, I'm the only guy in the room who's from Southern Illinois,
4: so uh, my
3: Facebook is full of people from Southern Illinois just with the Pritzker memes and complaining about the gas tax and all that. Are
4: uh, they Are they supporting the fair income
3: tax? Fair uh, tax? Jury's still out. I'm <laughs> okay, not sure. Right. They, got, they got a lot of gas tax griping <laughs> to do. But uh, for those uh, people, Ben, what would you say to those folks? And maybe our folks uh,
4: who read the Southern Illinois and wherever it's located, what would you say to those people who may have a big complain or gripe? Actually, just i'll repeat what i just got finished saying you have to figure out a way to repair the roads you have to figure out a way to rebuild your bridges you got to keep and, and you you have to keep your state functioning it costs money to do that so what alternatives do you have are you going to support it i i was wasn't just asking a rhetorical question are you going to support the initiative to increase the state income tax on the wealthiest people Are you going to support a progressive tax or are you just going to vote against any tax and pretend that we don't need money to fund government? That's the question that all citizens of Illinois have to ask themselves, including your friends, down in southern Illinois. You hear that, Uncle Eldon? <laughs> Uncle Eldon. Gotta come from somewhere, Somewhere. All right? Stop calling me! Yeah.
3: <laughs> so there you are, just like that, you're now in the know of what's going on locally, and now you will have an answer the next time someone
4: asks you, hey, what else is new?" Alright, let me tell you something, that Vladimir Putin, Donald oh, Trump, awesome. and Uncle Eldon all agree. Okay. You did a great, what a threesome that is, by the way. Putin, Trump, and Uncle Eldon, alright? Yeah, come on, old Danny. <laughs> They're that's gonna get together and gripe, that's a very good imitation. Where's your Putin imitation? That was my, uh, how do you know my Uncle Elden sounds like that was a good impression of my uncle you met my uncle well no but i've been hearing your impression for so long at oh. least it's consistent how about that <laughs> oh um anyway i will not ask you to do your vladimir putin uh imitation i'll just say that putin trump and uncle eldon all agree you did a great job give yourself a raise take it out of petty cash maya is sitting here she's got a lot to say we'll bring her on when we return Today's Ben Jaromsky Show was brought to you in part by Chicago
3: Architecture Center. Discover the breadth and majesty of Chicago's architecture on a Chicago Architecture Center bus tour. From bungalows to Bauhaus, our expert docents will share the fascinating stories behind our city's architecture. Book your tour at architecture.org slash tours. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm actually on a bus tour right now. Oh, my, look at that wonderful piece of architecture. And for the record, I love puppies. Hey there, producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so here's how this works. The Vendrofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download The Ben Jarofsky Show You may be asking yourself Well you may be asking yourself A fantastic question You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows And guest interviews Through several outlets The Chicago Sun-Times Online chicago.sun-times.com; The Chicago Reader Online ChicagoReader.com And wherever else You listen to your favorite podcasts Apple Podcasts Google Play Pick one Just search for The Ben Jarofsky Show J O R A. V in victory, S-K-Y. So, let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live-streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by 4 at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show. back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Benny J taking away.
4: All right, will do. Maya is in the studio. She already uh, weighed in on a few topics. Uh, let's. I have a whole list of topics I want to talk to you about. Uh, number one is the debate. I know you're now, uh, based on those first two debates, a huge Marion Williamson and face. And, uh, <laughs> Who isn't? Who isn't? I'm sorry. I got that with a straight face.
2: Listen, uh, uh, <laughs> lo- love is the answer. Yes. You know, she's not wrong.
4: <laughs> no, she's not wrong. And I've been taking a lot of grief from my very serious friends of the Democratic Persuasion who are taking very seriously uh, the effort to unseat Donald Trump. And they get mad at me whenever I say, Marion Williamson made some good points at the debate. And love is the answer, right? Uh, and <laughs> well, Romana said it sounded like a Beatles song. I thought that was funny. I mean, funny.
2: look, she's... This, like when the Republican primary in 2015 was at this stage, people were saying all of that same dismissive shit about Donald Trump. The Huffington Post published the thing saying we're relegating anything Donald Trump related to our entertainment section. Who's laughing now? It's the Russians, first of all, laughing their asses off. And second of all, uh, you know, then then it's 2016 happens and the media is in a crisis of, oh, my God, how did we not see this coming? You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) like maybe the lesson there is to not just worry about saying Joe Biden is the front runner because that's what everybody don't. Nobody wants to appear stupid. So they're saying the easy thing like, no, I mean she she was saying some stuff that's on point I don't know what kind of political organization she has but Donald Trump sure didn't have one uh, he didn't even campaign in yeah. half of the country so j- you, I'm just saying I don't know I don't know what is the state of her campaign but how crazy she may have sounded would certainly not be the reason why she wouldn't get very far.
4: Well, that's, and, and when you say crazy, whatever, I don't even think she sounded crazy, Crazy, but Uh,
2: let's say inappropriate uh, for the, whatever you expect out of this kind of forum.
4: And, um, so crazy as in quotes. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. it's easy to make fun of Marion Williamson.
2: And it was easy to make fun of Trump.
4: And it was easy to make uh, fun of Trump. And there so were a lot. easy to make fun of both of them. Yeah. And but there were a lot of other candidates uh, in the 2015 presidential debates for the Republicans that was easy uh, to make fun of as well. So it's always easy to make fun of politicians in mm-hmm. general. But I don't know why Democrats are so quick to be so disparaging of the message that Marianne Williamson is putting out there. I took the opportunity to spend better, uh, you know, an hour or two reading up on her, listening to some of her past interviews, Uh, the the 18 questions interview that the New York Times does. I urge people to check that out. It's Mm -hmm. just unfiltered. The candidates answering questions and um, she has a lot of good ideas and she's got a lot of heart and she... The values uh, and ideals that, um, in my humble opinion, that she articulates are very important ones. So mm-hmm. why are we making fun of them? Why yeah. do we mock them? Because what? Because we know that we are, that somehow or other it doesn't seem presidential.
2: Yeah. Again, like d- if, if that's how you're thinking about it today, you learned absolutely nothing four
4: years ago. All right. So when you take the lessons that you learn that you take away from what went down four years ago and apply them to what you saw last week in the presidential debates, what are some of your thoughts?
2: I mean, she's right that people don't care about what kind of plan you have, that people, people are voting emotionally. People are voting in response to, uh, the way you can speak to their fears or mobilize their anxieties, you know, I mean, I, I am, uh, you and I exist in this very rarefied world of like, you know, the media quote unquote elites or whatever. So we may have different reasons that we tend toward one candidate or another, but, uh, most regular people vote based on their gut and very minimal information and, if you want to continue to ignore that, then that's at your own peril. And I think that the name of the game in this election, and I, I guess I always say this, and I'm, <laughs> I, I feel like I don't know, I'm, I'm always wrong, or it's just I say this and then like it sort of doesn't come to pass. But I feel like if the if if Trump is going to be beaten, it's not going to be by changing a ton of people's minds. It's going to be by bringing out people to vote who didn't, who, who, aren't voting. Most people don't vote. Most eligible voters don't vote. So the name of the game is turnout and how you, how you excite people is, is very, very important. Um, maybe some people can change, can, can their mind, this, some Trump voters can have their minds changed And they identify, you know, they feel like Joe Biden is this safer, more respectable choice who doesn't challenge their values, but represents something that they feel better about themselves voting for. But if you're talking about turning out people who typically have absolutely no faith and interest in in voting, uh, then how you make people feel is crucial, why did p- people turn out to vote for Barack Obama because of the way he made them feel? And that's exactly what Marianne Williamson was talking about. So, I mean, coming out of the debate, there were certainly candidates there that I feel like were really doing well generating a feeling around themselves. Um, and Joe Biden was not one of them. All right. I don't know I, I, because or I'm just saying that because I really cannot enter and imagine entering into the frame of mind of somebody who watches Joe Biden and says, that's my president.
4: Yeah. All right. Before uh, we get into Joe Biden and uh, he's an easy target to bash, particularly after last week's mm-hmm. debate. Uh, where that may have been the worst performance I've ever seen out of Joe Biden. I've been watching him for a long time. Let's let's uh, go back to the point you were making in terms, which I absolutely agree on, by the way, that the key in any election is getting uh, your people to vote and inspiring people to vote for you, whether it be...
2: And inspiring non-voters. And it's an election, this election coming up in 2020 is going to be about taking getting people to vote who did not vote before. Or did not vote last time. Mm-hmm. It's not just getting the people who did vote who are going to vote again to vote for you. Right.
4: Okay. And that, in, in, in the conventional Democratic point of view of the strategists who uh, seem to control the mainstream of the Democratic Party, their view is getting is holding on to the people who voted for Hillary and then getting people who voted for Donald Trump to flip. And uh, they don't seem to worry too much about getting people who are uninspired and alienated and apathetic and not involved to actually register and turn out and vote. And we have talked about this so many times on the local level, Maya, yeah. where we have a 33% turnout. And uh, in the last mayor mayoral, mayoral mm-hmm. election, we've talked about this in aldermanic elections. We, You and I spent all that time <laughs> looking into the backgrounds of aldermanic candidates. And yeah. we're aware of the fact that most people don't pay any attention to any of that so um when you it was only a glimpse it was only a a one-shot glimpse at those debates when you take a look at those candidates on those stage which ones gave you hope that they somehow or other were connected to of people who aren't registered aren't voting but might as a result of that candidate's presence uh get involved
2: um it was easy to see kamala harris that way Uh, Also Julian Castro, I thought really um, emerged in a way that I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't even looking at him. I wasn't even kind of like paying attention. And I thought he came out really strong. Um, People say that Elizabeth Warren has like really kind of dominated. um, And, and to be honest, and I say this as a person with like a heavy bias towards a candidate like Elizabeth Warren, I don't. I I did not feel like she came out of that debate among the th- top two strongest candidates. It didn't. She, to me, it didn't feel like she connected that way. But again, that it doesn't matter. It, it's. I. I feel like it's. It's almost meaningless to say that because uh, it, that's just. That doesn't, to me, that doesn't mean anything about whether or not I'll vote for her, how she came off in the debate or how, she, you know, what kind of feelings she generated. I thought, you know, I thought Bill de Blasio was making. uh, Kind of a lot of interesting points, it was kind of annoying the way he had like (laughs) he was like he was he was behaving himself kind of strangely, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. But the content of what he was saying somehow caught like caught my ear as well. Um, but it sort of I, it sort of made me think like, maybe this guy should be the head of the chair of the Democratic Party. Like not, you know Chair not, of the Democratic not Party. Not seriously. Not, not yeah. seriously. But mm-hmm. the the his rhetoric to me connected more with a guy who's trying to lead the Democratic Party. Um and I'm not saying he's the right guy to be leading the mm-hmm. Democratic Party, but that's just kind of how 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 it sounded to me. It was like he was appealing to something much more narrow than uh than like your general debate audience, um who else
4: what was it about Julian Castro that inspired you or that made you think that he might be uh, an important figure?
2: he just he just centered women and queer and trans people so um, quickly and earnestly and in a manner that made me think. I mean, of course, this is all probably like gamed out and consulted and there's a plan in place to sound a certain way and appeal to certain people, but it just he didn't have to be prompted. He just talked about these things and I think it's significant when uh, somebody is talking about health care and talking about trans people. Mm-hmm. And putting that at the top of the conversation, putting those people who are so who are who are so marginalized by our healthcare system at the top of the conversation and national debate, I think that's that that speaks volumes to um, at, at least his team's level of research and and depth of thinking about what are some of the you know most most pressing concerns in our country, um, the things that are happening in our country that may affect a minority of people, but that is who we are, that is, that is a representation of America at its worst, um, its worst self, which has to be fixed first if we're going to be better for everybody. Um, so yeah, so that's why I think he, he, he caught my attention. You know, um, Bernie, it was not one of his best performances. I'll say that. I don't think he won himself really any new followers than he already had. Um, Although I will say that I think it's it's quite something to be in 2019 and both debates were, the the, the, the tone of the debate on both nights was set by the most left candidates. Um, you know, it, that that's a hell of a thing to see. Um, then who else? Um,
4: well, let me get to the point that you uh, mentioned about yeah. scripted, which is, uh, I noted wrote it down because it's an interesting point. Uh, the notion that, these candidates, they have about five to ten minutes of speaking time on a national stage, and so they've strategized exactly how they're going to use it, and they figured out what they're going to say. And there was an article about Kamala Harris on this to this point. I don't know if you have opportunities mm-hmm. to see it. It came out this weekend when I was obsessively reading political stories. I'll just summarize it. She was prepared to offer uh, a response to Joe Biden on the issue of his connections to segregation as politicians and uh, to his uh, stance on busing. She was prepared one way or another to deal with that. Uh, but what what she had to determine was what would she be responding to? So whether she would be responding to um, D- Joe Biden apologizing about his Statements and segregation, or Joe Biden apologizing about his uh, support or his opposition to busing mm-hmm. for integration mm-hmm. of school kids, and uh, so she had two sets of responses, uh, Maya. One, if he apologized; two, if he was defiant, and he was defiant. So she yeah. went with option A. So yeah, everything is scripted. You get what I'm saying? And yeah. It's <laughs> down to the. <laughs> You know, they like which way they're going to have to go, uh, and I, I guess I just I feel at when I when I read stuff like that that yeah you know I'm um how do I put this I'm like being used and manipulated like in a great movie only I'm just ma- manipulated by PR uh, strategists.
2: Yeah. It, it's, you know, <laughs> I was watching the second night of the debate with uh, a rhetoric scholar from Italy. So not only is she a rhetoric scholar, but she's also Italian. So her view on politics and witnessing politics as spectacle is like, you know, very informed by, <laughs> you know, Berlusconi and just the, 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 the circus that Italian politics have, have, have become. Um, And her commentary was so interesting because she, she really was only, she she was experiencing the debate from the perspective of like, how are they connecting? And like, it's not, none of this is about what they say. It's about, it's not about the content of what they say. It's about how they're, how they're how they're presenting themselves, how they sort of wield attention. How are they able to capture attention in a certain way? And so, for example, like with Kirsten Gillibrand, who I feel like did not connect at all. She really didn't connect. And she was saying a lot of good things. But as the rhetoric scholar pointed out, she was speaking in such a manner. She was speaking so quickly um, and, and, and in, in such a manner that it was like very hard to f- to like follow you know to, to 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 really like absorb what she was saying um and that's a, that's that's a failure on the debate stage um and then after the debate when there was this moment where i think that uh you really got the full weight of the of the, like i got the full sort of weight of the impression about how much this is not about what they're saying um when the, I was watching it on MSNBC and, you know, the, the, the commentary starts afterwards and the reporters are, the, the commentators are talking among themselves and they're waiting for like these like post-debate interviews with the candidates. And so they had, MSNBC had a guy on Joe Biden who was supposed to like interview him. And so all of the candidates descend into like the audience to take selfies and talk to people mm-hmm. and all of that. Joe Biden is the only person that stayed on the stage. And he had like a secret service person right behind him at all times. And so he was like awkwardly taking these selfies with people from the stage. So he, he remained on the stage visible as the cameras were rolling, as the commentators are talking. And they had this split screen of, of like Joe Biden doing his thing and taking these selfies. And on the other side, they had Bernie Sanders surrounded by just a huge cadre of reporters actually speaking to them. Mm-hmm. And the guy that was supposed to be interviewing Joe Biden, they kept cutting to him, attempting to like get around the secret service agent to stick a mic in Joe Biden's face. And it was Joe Biden made that reporter wait.
4: Yeah.
2: For, and made made the entire like all of MSNBC essentially and all the people who were wait, who who were watching it he made all of them wait and he did not speak to that reporter until he was ready and when he was ready to speak he was so incredibly patronizing with this reporter in in a way that wasn't um you know uh, kind of overtly rude or bombastic but you just got the sense that this was a man who felt in full control Mm -hmm. of his situation and he felt like he didn't owe anything to anybody as we perfectly saw when he didn't who couldn't he couldn't even acknowledge the way his actions had a very real personal painful effect on somebody else standing on that stage with him um and you know he he everything went he didn't he did not have to adjust himself to any circumstances the circumstances molded themselves to adjust to him yeah and so you know if if you're judging it by that uh it's it's like even if people can't articulate that they can sense that power they can sense the the way that it's that that a person like him is like bending reality around themselves and i think that they feel like yeah this is the front runner because It's he's being treated like one. No other candidate would have been treated that way. No other candidate would have had MSNBC at prime time, at the peak watch hour of people. The debate just ended. The person is taking their sweet time, taking these selfies, and they keep cutting away from actual content to uh, to this awkward silence of this reporter trying to get through.
4: Yeah. No, I listen. I I, that is a, a great metaphor uh, for where Joe Biden is, uh, he's just sort of a distant and not connected. Uh, the image you just uh, described—he's distant and not connected. But it
2: projects power, is what I'm saying. Yeah, he's distant and, and not connected. But that—but it—but it—we are already treating him like the winner. Yeah.
4: Well, he—we're yeah, already treating him like point. he matters
2: more than the other yeah. candidates, which is like a huge part of 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 conceding that somebody's ahead.
4: Yeah. Uh, and uh, but I, I think that it, that that uh, his distance in the polls is illusionary right now. I think that's more a reflection of uh, that fact that these polls measure how well you're known. Uh, and so I think that if he's going to get serious uh, about running for president, he's going to have to. Go and and talk to the reporters himself. Yeah, but the media
2: it. would have to would have to actually treat him like they do everybody else. Yeah. And right now they're unwilling to. Yeah. because they don't want to be in the position of like, you know, I guess MSNBC doesn't want to be in the position to uh, have to maybe appear like they're not. Focusing on the thing everybody wants to see. Mm. All
4: right, yeah, that's a, a greater criticism of MSNBC. All right, uh, a couple things before you go. I mm-hmm. really want to talk to you about healthcare, and I also want to talk to you about <coughs> I gave you your homework assignment uh, to read that blurb from a column that ran in the New York Times. So, which one do you want to do first, the healthcare discussion or the column blurb? I'll go with whatever one you want to go with.
2: Well, I don't, what do you, what do you want, what do you want me to say about this column blurb? It's Uh, vile.
4: Yeah, it's, uh, it's vile indeed, but and it's, it's what uh, Donald Trump will be running on. When, when, when I looked at the democratic debate uh, on uh, last week and when Donald Trump and his uh, opinion stretcher or opinion makers looked at the debate, we saw two separate things and that column is a reflection. Uh, So I'll, if you pass it to me I'll read it to mm-hmm. you, folks can hear it's a gentleman named Brett Stevens Ugh. and uh, he writes for the New York Times and he was outraged uh, by that debate. And, uh, he, his sense was that the Democrats are going to lose. Uh, this is a point that we hear many times in the mainstream media. It's in this cartoon that adjoins this as well. Mm-hmm. The notions that when the Democrats uh, make the appeals that they do for fairness in taxes, for a new healthcare plan, for universal coverage for all, uh, for a more uh, humane way of treating immigrants who are trying to get into this country, as opposed to putting them in cages. Whenever we, we make an appeal like that, uh, uh, we're uh, sending a message to the rest of America that we somehow or other we don't uh, respect the rest of America, that we're insulting the rest of America, that we're cheating the rest of America. And Donald Trump will be able to exploit those feelings in order to win reelection. And this is how Brett Stevens put it. Um, In last week's Democratic debates, it wasn't just the individual candidates who presented them to the public. It was also the party itself. It's a party that makes too many Americans feel like strangers in their own country, a party that puts more of its faith and invests most of its efforts in them instead of us. They speak Spanish. We don't. They are not U.S. citizens or legal residents. We are. They broke broke the rules to get into this country. We didn't. They p- pay fewer no taxes. We're already pay most of those taxes. They willingly got themselves into debt. We're asked to write it off, etc., and so forth. That we go we're, Oh, we're supposed to give up our private health insurance in exchange from some BA type nightmare. I read that. I was sick. That of
2: it. is so incredibly disrespectful to our veterans. Like, you know, I don't, it's exhausting to think about the purpose of these articles in the New York Times that are like regurgitating these asinine talking points that are appealing to the worst of people's instincts. And most of those people that want to be steeped in that kind of thinking are probably not reading the New York Times anyway but like you know how how can you how can you how can you claim to care about this country if that's how you talk about the VA and about the problems with VA healthcare there are there are very deep-seated awful problems with VA healthcare but it's that that is that at the same way that that is telling a certain kind of reader that it's okay to feel hate towards people who are not like them. That is also saying that it's okay to, to, to extend those feelings to, uh, a, a part of our government and our society that's taking care of people who made very real sacrifices for all the rest of us. Um, Whatever, whether the you know the wars are just or not, the point is that we're we're taught at every turn to view veterans, to view people in the military as giving a service. You know, there's this real obsession right now with talking about whether or not all Americans should be required to to give a year of their life to some kind of service for the country, and we have this notion that we should, when people have given in that way of themselves, that we have to take care of them, that we have to provide them with healthcare, that we have to have hospitals and other types of support services for them, that our government and our society owes that to people who have given in that way. To then to then t- take that and, and to take the, the issue of... How, how badly we've run those services into the ground and say that that is for them, that that is something that that is somehow about them to connect that with that idea is, is, I don't know. Vile. It's so, it's, it's like, it's so morally repugnant that I don't know how somebody can write that and sleep at night.
4: I completely agree with everything you just said, and I will also add this, uh, that the VA also provides a lot of good services, and just to write it off, it's the way people treat public schools in Chicago so much, Maya, if I could... Mm-hmm. do a local uh, mm-hmm. just like the public schools are terrible and everything in the public schools is terrible you just use it as an instrument just to deny the humanity of everybody involved in the public schools from right. the teachers to the principals to the yeah. kids to the parents and yeah. center and i remember when mayor ram marched into the town and announced that there were only three good high schools in the city of chicago and a bunch of charter schools i remember it shows such budding ignorance abund- abundant ignorance of what the the school system was like that he wanted to run, that he claimed he was best to run. Yeah. And I feel the same way when I, when I see this gentleman. write. I
2: mean, yeah, every sentence in what he wrote is vile in its own way, but I feel like that's like the apotheosis of how, like <laughs> how fucked up this is. Yeah. Uh, not that it, it's more harmful than the other, than every other harmful thing he's saying there, but it's just, it, there's no, it's like, I don't, I couldn't make up a clearer example of 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 justice the vileness of all this logic
4: uh i agree and about-
2: and the thing is that the thing about the way that rom treated our schools this is what we will learn from the work of all the journalists who covered this and 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 the researchers and scholars who devoted time to really tracking and following the impact of the way he treated our school system is that people when you tell people that their schools suck when you tell kids that their schools are bad it 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 affects people in a, in a really deep and long lasting way. Mm -hmm. It, 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 it's, it's a, it's a violence to, to talk about the institutions that people rely on in, in, in a way that's so degrading. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, this is cut from the same cloth.
4: Yes, it is indeed. And I guess we'll have to hold off our health care conversation another time it's, next week. <laughs> right, it's not going anywhere, Maya. Uh, so I'll give you a full week to think about Bruce Rauner. What if Bruce Rauner wrote for the reader and had to deal with the same health care plan that I do? And uh, did
3: you tell me you had to read a Cass article?
4: No, I made Romana read a John Cass. I would never... (laughs) It's so cruel. So I made Romana read John Cass. I made... uh, No, Maya had to read this brief uh, summary of a column that Brett Stevens wrote in Mm. the New York Times. That's the writer's name. His name is Brett Stevens. He wrote it uh, this Saturday. I read it. I read the column, and uh, I just wondering, you know, I agree with you. Um, and, and by the way, this this the, the points you made uh, come in the aftermath. We haven't talked about this on the show. John Stewart uh, talking at uh, Congress at a congressional hearing about two or three weeks ago about how um, shameful it was that Congress has allowed the fund to dry up that was um, giving health care uh, to uh, 9-11 first responders. Mm-hmm. And uh, you talk about people who gave service, just basic service. What are their political ideologies? over the, They rushed into a scene where buildings were falling to try to save lives. And our country has, has left them standing. You know, just ignored them. We won't fund it. Congress won't fund it. They're always wheeling and dealing. All right, we'll give you the money if you pass this bill. You know, that kind of yeah. uh, log rolling type thing. And uh, John Stewart spoke very eloquently about it and when you were speaking uh, about... Brett Stephens' attitudes toward veterans in the VA. I was reminded of that as well. All right, Maya, I'm going to let you go. I know you got a plane to catch. you <laughs> got your bags packed. Yep. But you will be back in Chicago in time for yep. next Tuesday, correct? Yep. All see right, see you then. Safe journeys, all Thanks. right? Uh, Maya is right. heading out the door, but Mike Novak is sitting in his chair. He's all pumped up, ready to talk. I'm sure he's got well, He's thoughts. got a baseball bat over there. No, I know. He's very proud Whoa. of himself. He went four for four. The steroids kicked in. We'll talk all about that when we return. Hey! Playing now at Steppenwolf Theater, the world premiere of Ms. Black for President. It's inspired by the true, that's true as it it really happened, T-R-U-E story of Joan Det Black, America's first drag queen presidential candidate. You know who created it, D. No. It was created by Tony nominee Tina Landau. Oh. And you know who else created it? No. Oscar winner Terrell Alvin McCraney. You know him. Moonlight. Oh, 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 yeah. yeah. For tickets, visit Steppenwolf.org. That's Steppenwolf, like the rock group from the 60s. millennials. Angry Millennials. <laughs> the
3: Bendrovsky Show is supported by the Northwestern Summer Writers Conference. Now in its fifteenth year, the three-day conference held in Chicago features a diverse array of workshops, speakers, discussions, and readings. Learn more at sps.northwestern.edu/writers.
4: Hey, everybody! What you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Emma's in Mary, A N is in Nancy, U E L P I A N I S T dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. So, salute to America.
0: And I'm going to be here, I'm going to say a few words, and we're going to have planes going overhead, the best fighter jets in the world, and other planes too. And we're going to have some tanks stationed outside. We're going to be pretty careful with the tanks because the roads have a tendency not to like to carry heavy tanks, so we have to put them in certain areas. But we have the brand new Sherman tanks, so we have the brand new uh, Abro tanks.
3: Hey, who needs roads? Let's have a parade. Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Tuesday, July 2nd is just moments away. But before we get into that, we would like to thank the following unions once again for jumping on board and helping bring back the Ben Jarofsky show. First up, the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 in District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. A giant thank you to those unions for jumping on board and helping bring back our program the Ben Jorofsky show and of course today's program is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor Hour number two let's go it is Tuesday July 2nd and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, it's the return of preservationist Andrew Schneider and also making his return with a bat. I hope we're talking about baseball. What did you do, Ben? Host of the Mike Novak Show. Mike Novak! And now your host,
4: not with a bat. <laughs> Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. No, Mike Novak, uh, in addition to being an outstanding uh, radio broadcaster, has had his own radio show for years and years and worked with the great Wally Phillips. I'm the only one impressed by that. I'm probably the only one in Chicago who remembers who Wally Phillips. Was. Not only does he do that, but he's an outstanding softball player. He went 4 for 4 yesterday uh, in a big softball game. Uh, and uh, there's been allegations that uh, steroids may have been used by uh, Mike <laughs> to uh, enhance his performance. Let me see that bad.
1: Is that this corked? Is- I br- I brought Wonder Boy. Uh, all right, okay. Wonder Boy is here in the studio, and you can tell this bat's been used a bit. You can, all all of the writing on it is worn off over the oh, years. Yeah. You can't even see it. I believe this is Sammy Sosa's old bat. Is I believe it, it is. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cork? In it's it. How we keep it light? That's a metallic bat. Like a band. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <okay>. sorry. <laughs> Playing air, play air? No, with no, the give, me, give me that bat back. <laughs> I was
4: terrible uh, softball I'm, player, as Mike can tell you. So. I
1: might need to kneecap Mr. Trump with this. So. Uh, that is
4: a bad joke. Our, the Secret Service are busting uh, they're in waiting right now. In, I yeah. know, really. The views as and it, actions of Mike Novak like those are the Ben Jerovsky shows. Yes. <laughs>
1: yeah. As if you could get close to Trump with a baseball bat yes. in your hand, okay? Uh, well, Come someone on. got
4: close to his son and spit him on a bar the other day. We were talking about that last week. But before... before... Before we bring young Mike on, you have uh, lovely Leah. Leah, yes, thank you. And Leah was uh, our correspondent. Uh, at the Elizabeth Warren rally on Friday, She dashed out the door at the end of Friday's show <laughs> cool. uh, to get there and get a good spot. So uh, let's get your general uh, thoughts of Elizabeth Warren's performance Friday at uh, Roosevelt University. Here,
5: um, it was a lot of fun. I think she did great. Uh, she does kind of re- tend to repeat the same things over and over. What she said in the debate, I think she said like some things verbatim. What she said then, but you know, she just sticks to her sticks to her message. I think that she was great. She had got a lot of people really riled up a lot of people showed up to see her it was
4: packed right yeah
5: yeah thousands of people filled the auditorium theater downtown
4: yeah Um, and
5: yeah yeah. it was um she really had a lot of great plans and she really articulated those plans really well and that's why she's i think she's one of my favorite candidates because she not only does she have great ideas but i think she has a lot of Great means to.
4: Now I don't know if those. you heard Maya talking about this, and uh, I don't know if we were in this, the studio and Maya was talking about it. And I'm um, like, no, I could love your thoughts on this as yeah. well. Uh, one of the things that Marion Williamson said uh, in the debate and on Thursday, I think it was, is that plans won't beat Donald Trump. And that Donald Trump, uh, this, his secret to success is he just gave a statement, I'm going to make America great again. And that's all people needed to hear was something that they could react to, uh, right? They could just understand it. Uh, you get start releasing plans. People stop paying attention. You get to the intricacies of, let's like, say, a healthcare plan eyes glaze over people back out uh the media uh, gets fed its talking points and zooms in on the, the details to try to trip you up etc cetera, etc cetera. so do you or do you think you're an unusual voter leah that you're interested in something as specific as elizabeth warren's plan let's say in health care
5: yeah i i really i disagree with Marion williamson on that i she's probably right in that uh people didn't vote for Trump because he had plans. But, um, I think that you can't not have a plan. I don't know what kind of plans Marianne Williamson has, you know? Um, but
4: <laughs> <laughs> she, or, well, it's not that you don't have a plan. You just yeah. don't reveal your plans. Yeah.
5: Um, but I, I do think Elizabeth Warren strikes a good balance between appealing to people's emotions and having like these really great plans to back up these, uh, like emotional claims that she has. Um, I really like her uh, wealth tax, like the, her proposal of her wealth tax that every, every um, dollar over 50 million that somebody makes uh, it tax two cents on every dollar and that's how she's going to fund everything. You can't have, you can't not have a plan on how you're gonna have money like you were talking about earlier. Uh, you can't, You there has to be money in government, it has to have money to fund yeah. government and a lot of people make these like grandiose claims including Bernie Sanders who I love Um, who appeals to people's emotions a lot, but it's kind of like, how are you going to fund these projects?
1: Well, I think one of the things you have to take, keep in mind when it comes to what people say uh, and and talking, uh, well, uh, campaign, you said, mentioned that uh, she might have said some of the same things verbatim that she said on the debate stage on TV. That's, that's part of the difficulty of running for president. You, you can't, you can't wing it completely. Well, Donald Trump did, okay? He just <laughs> yeah. winged it, and nobody... And, 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 and I will say something that I've thought for three years now. Our, our media are not capable of dealing with Donald Trump. We are so ill-equipped uh, to deal with him, and three years down the road, we're not any better equipped to deal with him now because we're playing by a different set of rules. In fact, they are rules that we expect a civilized society to have all right he ignores those rules completely and the press refuses to walk to cross that line and challenge him on his own turf because and probably rightly so they're terrified that that leads to utter chaos and and the end of civilization as we know it so we're left with a guy who can say anything he wants Anything he wants, and he doesn't really get. Ch- oh, all right, the, the the latest is, of course, uh, that Nimrod on um, on NBC. <laughs> um, Chuck Todd, uh-huh. um, what a what a oh, doof- Nimrod Todd. Nimrod Todd. What is your problem with? Chuck What Todd? a doofus Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm sorry. Just pretty much everything that comes out of his mouth is is ridiculous. And um, <laughs> where did that? The views and opinions expressed. I just, express I don't, I, I don't get, get to I don't, say I kind of agree with him. I don't. Right. I don't get to do this on my own show. Go so ahead, knock yourself out. I don't know what it is about you. you just, I just sort of, but, but <laughs> the difficulty is yeah. is running for president, uh, you have to have a strong statement, and once you get one, you, 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 you glom onto it, and you repeat it over and over and over again. Most people aren't going to every debate like you are, Leah, and seeing it, and they don't hear it over and over again. They might hear it once.
4: Well, it's, it's, uh, you listen to your, I I remember when I I went to saw, there was a comedian that I saw on the Johnny Carson show and I thought he was hilarious and I told him we had Steve Landisberg's name anyways, years ago. And anyway, I said, I, I love I, Steve. Yeah, Landisberg. Yeah, he's okay. Okay.
1: Oh my God. <laughs> so I of by Barney Miller, man. Yeah, no, Barney. He's, Ooh, he's millennials. He's, hang yeah, tight yeah, I, I didn't want to say it. Cause I knew my, like, what? Who's he? I know he's going to bust. Hey. Yeah, I don't I care. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm only here once a month. So yeah. what do I care? <laughs>
4: so anyway, so, uh, Steve Landisberg was hilarious. I said, Oh, we got to go see him. And, uh, Leah, when I went, my wife and I went to see Steve Landsberg, guess what? Everything he did on the Johnny Carson show, he did uh, on stage no. at Harper... Junior college. We slept all the way out the harbor to see him, and I remember going. It's the same thing that I, you know, <laughs> and uh, so there's always
1: going to be repetition. That's yeah. her, th- she, that's her spiel. Because what happens? What if you decide to to wing it, like with Donald Trump, for some reason? Because as I said, the, the press is ill equipped. They, they don't know how to deal with it. But any other normal candidate, one slip and you're gone. So that's why they stick to the well tested lines. And I, I, who can blame them?
4: Well, here's the deal about Elizabeth Warren. I was going to say what um, what i, would I over time grew to really respect about Elizabeth Warren is that uh, she was unafraid to directly confront the inequities, the unfairness of society, and she would break it down like to tax policy or to uh, the way we uh, give out subsidies or the way uh, the well-to-do take take advantage of loopholes, et cetera, and so forth, uh, and how uh, costs are passed on to consumers in a higher cost through un- an unseen ways. She's, she specified on it, she went right at it, and she she did it in such a way that she was unafraid to go into the complexities of of, of these uh, governing issues. And so I respected her on that front. Now she's running uh, for president. It's harder to distill that message. Do you follow what I'm saying? Yeah, and, yeah mm-hmm. sure.
5: I think that a lot too, which a lot of people are worried about her electability, I guess they see her as a very polarizing figure, somebody who won't. Um, will only further alienate the like base of, uh, that Trump has now, but I didn't really get that feeling when I was seeing her on Friday. She was very, um, she like had her own narrative that she was promoting like the child of a uh, working class, uh, mm-hmm. white people, um, janitors and telemarketers, I think her parents were, and then she was able to like build this life for herself. So I think that, that narrative too, it strikes that, um, it will resonate with most people that we lost mm-hmm. in the last election as well.
1: She came out of Oklahoma, which is, and it's kind of interesting because my sweetie pie, Kathleen, Aww. probably, probably <laughs> debated her in Oklahoma. Is that right? Yeah. Well, they were two years apart and, uh, they went to the same grammar school no 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 we're talking about uh, high school debating in Oklahoma oh, so and, the statewide and competition. statewide competitions yeah okay, I gotcha. and and the school that that Elizabeth Warren came from they were th- they were the world beaters. They killed everybody. And everybody was terrified to debate them. So that's the, where, where she came out of. And Kathleen said, you know, and so lately on Facebook, uh, people are writing, Kathleen saying, did you debate her when you were in high school? She said, Oh, I don't remember. I wouldn't have known her then. Why? So, just yeah. say it. Yeah, yeah. I
4: debated. I took her down, man. <laughs> I remember when Eminem came popular, there was this rapper in Chicago who was telling me, ah, I took Eminem down in one of those one-on-one battles. So you know what? Hey, why not? Why not? Yeah. Uh, do you, do you share, uh, Mike, the 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 fear that the Democrats somehow or other uh, cannot speak to mainstream America that that sort of Leo was articulating there a little while ago? That that's just a, f- a fear uh, that many strategists have.
1: Uh, no, <laughs> I don't. I think they understand mainstream America. I think Elizabeth Warren, as you mentioned, came from mainstream America. Yeah, she's really smart. I think that's our problem. Is that uh, how do I say this without insulting half the country? Uh, <laughs> okay, go ahead. Shall I? Uh, you know, I don't <laughs> the know views I, and know, opinions. We we do not want philosopher kings in this country. We don't. We don't. We, we 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 don't want them on the radio. We don't want them on TV. We we shy away from the really smart people. They scare us or something. I don't know exactly what it is, but there is just this tendency to disregard people who actually think things out and come up with plans like elizabeth warren has that's the danger is that now with trump we've glorified stupidity and that's part of our problem it's like nobody wants to appear to be smart because now you're 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 a fool Mm. you're you know uh you're you're one of those people, and they don't they don't listen to us and they don't speak to us. But it's not true because look at the policies, look at Obamacare, and the millions of people that got health insurance for the first. For, I'm raising my hand. I was one of those people. Okay,
4: You're, you had Obamacare.
1: I had Obamacare, and uh, past tense had or just had. Still, yeah. Now, now. I've got social security, Medicare. Medicare. I got Medicare, and it's like, yeah, okay, that's good, that's great. I'm glad we've got that. Until they, they take that away from me, and then make me put that money into a, a private account. Well, whatever. actually,
4: I I have a feeling. and now we're on a tangent because I do want to talk about all the issues that Mike Novak wants to talk about. <laughs> I have my list that's okay. here. We don't have to do it. Uh, no, <laughs> but I I have see. I have a feeling that Medicare and Social Security will be exempt. Uh, Republicans have talked from time to time about going after him. George Bush. That, that yeah. was, Remember, that was on top of his agenda,
1: baby oh, Bush, yeah. yeah. Uh, for a second. And he back off. And that's because— That was the political capital speech that he made. He said, I have political capital, yeah. and I intend to spend it. And everybody knew what it meant. He was going to gut Social Security and replace it with a privatized plan. Yeah. All right. And he, it did not happen. It did
4: not happen because everybody gets it. And I've I've stated this from the get-go, that means tested, that programs, government programs that are just for people who are poor are the first things to go. But when you have a program that is across the board, regardless of your income, it's a lot harder to get rid of it. Donald Trump doesn't want to give up his Social Security any more than somebody who <laughs> really needs it wants to give well, it because up. because
1: that's probably his total source of income right now.
4: Wow. Well, Wow, all right. There's a, there's a guy who has his beliefs and why Donald Trump is shielding his uh, tax right. statements because he's not making any money. All right, let's switch gears to something that Mike Novak really wants to talk um, um, about. Actually,
1: one, one more thing. Uh, do you know the secret to getting into North Korea? <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you tell all right. Please tell us. Please tell <throat> us. You put your right foot in, you put your right foot out. You put your right foot in and you shake it all about, and that's it. Wow, am I pot. stoned right now? <laughs> 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 well, it is
4: legal. Oh, well, not until January first. Whoa! Uh, okay. Hey, by the way, speaking of which, uh, that was a great joke. Uh, do you? Um, are you going to part of your gardening show? Or are you going to be delving into uh, marijuana now that it's legal? And
1: that's a really good question. I haven't given it a whole lot of thought uh there's i'm sure there's other folks that really want to dive into this one of our great sponsors is uh, a a company that does led lights and they have come to me and said you know the marijuana people are just all over us they want (laughs) they want to know how well this works for for hooch so uh you know at some point i suppose we'll go down that road all right i mean i mean we'll talk what might talk about best ways to grow it i don't know because i i don't I don't have any particular insight into that. I mean, there's going to be people doing it. So you might as well get ahead of it now. Well, I've had people tell me that about advertisers. They said, you know, that's where you want to look right now. You want to get ahead of the game. Let's Everybody's go. Everybody's an expert. <laughs> I know. Back, I know. Everybody. These are cans. on yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cans.
4: Uh, well, Dennis really is an expert. You know, he went to radio school. Did you know that? Yeah. He
1: really is. Yeah. yeah, I know. yeah. I'm impressed too. Top of my class. Yeah. <laughs> Columbia School of Broadcasting? No. no, no, no,
4: no Community no. College. <laughs> oh, oh. Downstate. All right. Now, let's talk about the gardening yes. excellence. The Chicago Excellence in, in gardening, gardening Awards. awards. Ahead, All ahead.
1: right. Well, I'm making my radio tour here doing the, uh, promoting <laughs> Chicago. Honest to goodness, a couple of weeks ago, I was on WBEZ on Worldview. Uh-huh. Uh, and then uh, last Saturday, I was on your favorite station, WCPT. Wait, uh, what was that station? Again? You were on WCPT? I was on they pro- let you in the building? I, no, 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 they didn't let me in the building. Uh, I was on Mighty House, which simulcast. Oh, the simulcast. You got uh, yeah. in
3: through simulcast. I, <laughs> nice. Know, which
1: is good, because then I get to bust CPT, you know, while I'm on the air. Progresso Radio, like the soup, (laughs) Uh, and uh. using actions of Mike Novak do not reflect those of the Ben show, but sort of.
4: Well, (laughs) sort of. No, I know uh, this one does. does, (laughs) Uh, Sort of. WC, (laughs) you're (laughs) fine. All right, anyway. uh,
1: Uh, You know, uh, what really is painful when I go on WCGO, where I work now, and every now and then I'll slip uh, and say I'm on WCP. Oh,
0: no, don't say that. (laughs) Okay, all right.
1: Uh, And then uh, last Saturday I was on Gargantua Radio, Down the Dial. Oh Hell yeah. WGN. Sounds big. With with John Williams. Where he used to work all the time,
4: Young Mike right. back. People don't realize that. I the guy ran the Wally Phillips show. They, all
1: right? I came in last Saturday. They wouldn't let me leave until I engineered two shows. So <laughs> it was it do, was a, do a do trade. The people who
4: even worked there now know who Wally Phillips is or Young? Oh yeah, know yeah, they
1: yeah. They he's they a legend. Are they afraid. they the people there. I don't and the rest of Chicago, but. It's aging. It's been a while, uh, I you don't know. Think
4: anybody in this room knows who he is except for you and me. Let's move on. Okay, right? moving on. So uh, now and now <laughs> I'm
1: here. This is like the uh, the well, the, this is the whipped cream on the uh, <laughs> on the cupcake. Uh, yeah. sure. <laughs> That's what we're known as the, the, whipped, whipped, cream. Cream the, <laughs> the whipped cream on the cupcake. Uh, whipped cream on the on the cupcake. All uh-huh. right. Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards. So, here's what happened. Uh I, I, I this is this is actually a political story, so you'll appreciate this. <laughs> uh, back in well, you know that uh, the Daily uh, had the mayor's uh, landscape awards for 50 years, more than 50 years in the city. The dailies, mayor dailies, not yeah, the daily sta- newspapers. right. The mayor, you know, and, and I don't know if it started before Richard J. I, think, I, I think, think it was dad. I, I think dad started. Daddy it. Daily started. Daddy, daily, yeah. started. Daddy mm-hmm. daily started. Yeah. Then uh, Richie the Deuce continued yeah. it. B- Baby Daily loved it. And yeah. uh, we get to Rahm Emanuel <laughs> and he drops it like a hot rock. Why? Why? You have to ask him. All right, I just... I mean, I, well, well, I don't... You know why? <laughs> why? Because he's kind of indifferent to the environment. I would okay? take kind of out of that sentence. Okay. He thinks it's for losers. <laughs> okay, loser issue. The opinions are not Mike Novak's <laughs> and have only represented by Ben Jarofsky on the Ben Jarofsky show. Uh, yeah. He show him, that. Uh, he, <laughs> <laughs> You, you yeah. forgot to throw that one in there, Denny, I, yeah. You know, because I have to protect myself. Yeah, for, no, for yeah sorry uh, about that. That's uh, yeah. okay. But yeah, so he decides, mm-hmm. no, we're not doing this anymore, uh, even though from what I understand, And talking to city people did not cost the city a dime or very little. It was volunteers doing the judging and people donating sites for the awards and on and on and on. And it was such goodwill to all. I mean, you want to reach out to neighborhoods, do gardening awards because you can bring in every single neighborhood in the city if you want. Why wouldn't you create that goodwill? So should we bring him in here and ask him? No, uh, Ron. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm okay. sure he's always hey.
4: willing to drop. Hey, hey, come on in mayor. <laughs>
1: Take a chill pill, man. Yeah. Oh, okay. So <laughs> that, that ended yeah. in 2011. Okay. I stewed about it for several years. <laughs> yeah, he talked about it. Yeah. And said, this is nuts. Okay. You know what? I know this is a crazy idea, but I'm going to do it myself. And we're just going to, we're going to start this all over again. So two years ago, Uh, Peggy Malecki, who's my co-host and publishes Natural Awakening Chicago magazine. We start talking to people about it. Um, I got my friend Christine Knight, the Shedd Aquarium involved. I got Cook County Extension involved in it. I got Chicago Community Gardeners Association. I got uh, Chicago Flower and Garden Show, Um, uh, Advocates for Urban Agriculture, Oddly enough, the Park District of Chicago. Wow. They got a volume of Even though they're part of the city which dropped the, the thing like a hot rod. They probably didn't tell Rom. Um, now he knows. He's mad. Yeah, he might be. Uh, the uh, uh, Forest Ram. Preserve District of Cook County, which creates these beautiful signs, yeah. which are designed by... Uh, my sweetie, Kathleen, who debated Elizabeth Warren in oh, high school. Well, there we go. And, and mop the floor the with her. the floor, floor. with her. Okay, we've gone from, <laughs> I don't
4: remember, to mop the floor. Resolve <laughs> should the United States uh, escalate in Vietnam? You take it away, Katie.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> so we got all these great groups in there, and we started uh, getting uh, people to submit their gardens uh, in 2017 and over the course of two years we've given out more than 100 awards we're doing it for the third year now and by the way if people want to enter i know because i know a lot of gardeners listen to your show right Ben? <laughs> starting <laughs> in january probably <laughs> yeah different kind of gardening but yeah uh, oh yeah, the, yeah oh so you're oh, the one is yeah. so you're going after the marijuana sponsors is that is that on? better gonna, believe uh, it okay. pal.
4: I, well they should be coming to I me mean, i've been pushing the legalization of marijuana long well, before it was well, there you by. go
1: all right uh, but um so uh we're doing it again this year go to chicago gardening awards.org mm-hmm. chicago gardening org. uh and uh, you can enter there, and we even have it in Spanish on on the website. and uh, And they're coming in, and you know, partly because of the radio tour I've been doing for the last two weeks, uh, mostly with Peggy, and uh, but because of everybody who's involved. So people
4: uh, enter their garden. It says "Enter Garden." So what do you send judges to? Yeah.
0: Everybody well, uh, what who you enters? do is you,
1: when you when you enter, you you submit a couple of photos, uh, and describe the garden, mm-hmm. and we and it's not just. It doesn't have to be out of better homes and gardens. It needs to be your plot of land and the thing you love, because we value a good story as much as we do, you know, you know like a news reporter. Okay. Uh, yeah. We value a good story uh-huh. and overcoming obstacles is a big deal. And a lot of people have, especially community gardens. We, we, we do have individuals in this contest, but we'll take gardens in schools, community gardens, churches, businesses, you know, you got a. A porch with some containers, but they look fabulous. We'll go up there. We'll take a look at it. We had a woman. All right. Here's an example. Last year, uh, one of our winners was a vet, a woman who is uh, gardening on the 37th floor of her high rise. And she does it at night because when she was in the Middle East, she uh, acquired an allergy to sunlight, for various reasons, I'm sure probably chemical exposure and exposure and heat in the desert. So she can't even garden during the, the day. So she goes out at night and you know at dusk and at dawn and she created this magnificent garden. And we said, yeah, that's, that's the kind of story we want to hear. There's a woman, that I visited her garden on the south side. Um, she appropriated a lot there and was mowing it for a long time. She said, this is crazy. I could be growing stuff, real stuff. Mm-hmm. So she digs up the lawn, puts in a garden, kind of basically single-handedly transforms the neighborhood with this pollinator garden and growing vegetables um, and growing uh, plants for pollinators. It's beautiful and I, and she's working full time at the u of c in the health department i'm thinking how did how do you have the time to do this yeah but they love it this is this is what brings joy to them and fulfillment and it changes neighborhoods it changes lives and that's why we do this all right and then, is there a deadline when folks yes july 7th so it's next oh man month. yeah hurry up yeah that's uh sunday
4: uh my wife should enter uh you open to bribery yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Oh, wow. What are we doing here, guys? <laughs> uh, I'm not much of a gardener at all, but. Uh, my Does wife, your wife garden? Yes, yeah, she loves to garden. Mm-hmm. You got a nice little uh, plot of land there? Uh, heavy emphasis on the word little. Uh, yes. But um, a lot of them. Are, that's the other
1: thing. We yeah. live in the city. I live in I got this tiny little lot in Logan Square and everything. I got no room for anything anymore. And it's all bursting at the seams. But you garden. Correct. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I love it. I'm not going to undermine. Okay. I don't want anybody stepping in my backyard. Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> I don't want uh, got, a, they'll see that baseball bat if they do. Exactly. Huh? We
4: just had rats, by the way. We we had They came back. We had them. They left. They came back. And the rats came back
1: the very next day. Wait,
4: isn't that a cat? <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. Sorry. Uh, anyway, uh, so anyway, so one more time, I'm gonna read it out. If you want to enter ChicagoGardeningAwards.org, dot uh, org, that's all one word: Chicago Gardening Awards. .org. .org. Uh, do a good thing. And maybe, hey, Lori for you're listening. Maybe the city, would you like the city to get involved in this? Or is, or is this you credit?
1: know, that's a really good question now. I don't know. Uh, we've built it up over three years. Uh, we, we just became an Illinois not-for-profit and are waiting on our 501c3. Uh, after all that work, I'm not sure I want to turn it over to the city. But on the other hand, uh, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, and nobody's getting paid right now. Well, all right. For sure. uh, um, Mike,
3: you have a fantastic weekly program. What's on tap for today? Sundays, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m.
1: on WCGO. What's on tap this week? Uh, this week, we're, well, I want to talk about what's been on the past couple of weeks. And this week, uh, I'm, I'm very happy we'll be talking about uh, uh, what's going on now that the weather kind of – somebody flip the switch yeah, and it was cold yeah. and rainy to yeah. hot and muggy. Yeah. Uh, we've got a wonderful gardener, Melinda Myers. She had her own radio show in Milwaukee for many, many years and she does videos and she's got a great website. And, uh, uh, I just love having her on cause she's so smart. Um, and, uh, we will talk about every question that comes in, but we're also talking about sustainable architecture and passive heating and cooling in your home. So uh, it's a, a little bit of everything in the sustainable world, but recent last week we had the folks on about Montrose beach. Yeah. Let's talk about that. We got to talk Montrose mm-hmm, because that's the, a political yeah, deal that's too. Po- very political. All right. Here's the deal explain uh, that there's this, there's this uh, concert called Mambi. oh Mambi! oh Mambi! yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't know he no you're supposed to know this you're, you're a millennial, millennial.
4: okay get wh- the worst millennial i've ever seen by the way does you know what venmo is go ahead okay <laughs> wow i i barely know what
1: venmo is so. no he actually knows what venmo is. he's okay.
4: the one who doesn't know. Ah, didn't know i learned about it through him ah okay, okay.
1: well paypal works just as well so yeah. there you go is that true I don't know I think Venmo's a little easier right. You think so I go think ahead. so yeah
3: it's quick All right. okay right? All right
1: I believe I don't know so go back to Montrose Beach so uh, Manby's been doing their concert on the south side and they get like 20,000 people for a couple of nights each so you know 40 45 thousand maybe as many as 50,000 people for some reason they decided hey <laughs> this year hey <laughs> let's go up to the north side because we know there's a lot of bars near Montrose Beach. I don't know what the reason is. To tell you true, but I bet that's it. Mm-hmm. It's you know, it's like wanting to do things in Wrigleyville. It's where the action yeah. is. You know, if you're down on the south side, they they're afraid that not as many people will show up to mm-hmm. their venue. I'm assuming that's it. You know, it's not like I've done research into this. I don't need to do research into it. The problem is, we have turned. Montrose Beach Dunes into one of the most important natural areas in the Great Lakes. And it's a result of a lot of hard work by volunteers and stewards over the past 30 years. This is not an accident that this has happened there. and so now we have all kinds of birds that migrate through there because it's a migratory, migratory flyway for, for birds uh, and uh, Montrose Beach for, where they put the, uh, the barrier into the lake, the breakwater. It has created conditions that a lot of these species like, mm-hmm. and which is odd because the breakwater is actually messing with nature. But in this case, it worked out for this is a, we had a guy on, from the Field Museum on the show on on Sunday. And, uh, he was, he, he explained this to me and I, I was, uh, pretty impressed. Uh, Doug Stotts, who's at, uh, the Keller science action center at mm-hmm. the field museum. So he was telling me this. And, but we also had a guy on Paul Fehrenbacher from the Montrose Lakefront coalition, mm-hmm. MLC. And this is dog walkers and volleyball players and, and hikers and whoever, you know, all the people who want to play at Montrose Beach, and believe me, it's the most popular beach in the city of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Every single one of those organizations does not want this concert there. So if you look at even the volleyball players and the dog walkers yeah. don't want this concert there, certainly the the naturalists don't want it there because now, this bird piping plover showed up at Montrose uh, beach and it's nesting there for the first time since 1955 Mm -hmm. because of the change and all the work that has been done Mm -hmm. over the decades by these stewards. Well, what do you think is going to happen with 50,000 people Mm -hmm. there for a couple of days? So, and you know, Jerry Mickelson from jam productions is the guy who's, behind the concert and he's i haven't i haven't read too much but i've read enough to to just be kind of frustrated that you know he's saying well it's millions of dollars and so he's throwing around the whole millions of dollars what are we going to do here Mm -hmm. um and the ultimate decision is going to be made by the park district as to whether they
4: allow this concert uh, to take place even though this this it could endanger these birds right that have taken now see, and
1: and and the problem is the concerts um, supposed to happen the twenty fourth and twenty or twenty third and twenty fourth around there of August mm-hmm. they're a, they haven't made a decision yeah. yet. how is it you can be this close we're in July yeah. folks yeah it's already July
4: well you know Mike this is a, a age old battle I've been following uh <laughs> down through the years. I've written a lot of stories about battles over park use and uh, for lack of a better term, there's people who are like passive park users and that's the term that's always used in the past. So if you go for a walk, In the park, Mm -hmm. If you look at birds that are flying around, uh, if you're a birder, for instance, uh, or if you just like to sit in a park and look up at the, contemplate humanity. That's passive? That's, in your brain, there might be a lot of action happening, but a passive, as opposed to you yesterday, four for four. You uh, you went four for four in your (laughs) softball game. Uh. That is not passive. You're uh, a park user playing softball. Presumably, you're playing in a park. It was... (laughs) He's showing his bat uh, to Andrew, our next guest. So uh, I've been sort of, in the middle of these fights down to the I used to write columns, uh, neighborhood news in the 1990s. I would do this all the time. Uh, fights like in Lincoln Park when Latin school wanted to put a soccer field oh, yeah. in the yeah. middle of the park. Uh, it's going on right now in Jackson Park where Obama center, uh, President Obama wants to put his center in the park. May I say a word about that? Well, we, we, yep. <clears throat> I know ahead. you got to get to the next. No, no, no. no, no. no. I want to
1: hear what you have to say about that Land grab. That's what I have yeah. to say. Okay. I don't, you know. I voted for him twice. Doesn't mean I like his decision to take Jackson Park and use it for the Obama Center. Yeah, there, you could do. It's just, it's the same thing as as what's his name, Star Wars guy, um, uh, George Lucas. George Lucas. <clears throat> yes. They could. They could have. What? Imagine if both of those had been in the city in two area. We now we have two new areas that have been built up from nothing. Yeah. So why do you have to grab the good stuff? that's already you're talking nice. about the part alright yeah.
4: and so my having written these articles this calms down to the years. I am very much uh, in the side believe it or not of the bird Okay,
1: I'm like. I you should know, hope
4: so. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of people out there who are very cynical about. But birders stuff. are not. Okay, the you birders, say that's a
1: passive use. No, it's not. It's an active use of it. I mean, this is again. This is these are people who go out every weekend and they're picking trash and and cleaning weeds. And you can't tell me that that's passive. No. Okay. Fair enough. But in terms of passive
4: versus more pro in terms of like running. Okay. When I say kick, passing a, a ball, kicking a ball, or hit a bat, or going four for four, going four for four with the enhancement of steroids, or <laughs> uh, or going to a rock concert, or going to a putting a, it's all the same. That's that's, it's park use, but you have to like there are people who literally say that they shouldn't put softball diamonds and soccer fields in parks because that takes away land that they want to walk on.
1: Well, there's a difference between a park and a natural area. Okay, it's like when you talk about forest preserved land, uh, and a lot of people think it's the same as park land, and it is to some degree because they do have some picnic areas and they do have some ball fields, but that's not. the main purpose it's it's multi-use whereas when you think of the chicago park district it really is ballparks and those sorts of things however by not by accident by some kind of design in nature's design montrose beach happens to be an important area for for habitat and so we have to respect that somehow we we are lucky that these people stepped up it's like a hundred years ago when people said hey you know we should preserve these forest preserves around the city of Chicago. Boy, was that for, foresighted. We don't get a lot of that. And so now we have these people who protected this area at Montrose Beach, and then these birds come in, and it's a, it's a, it's a sign that something is being done right there. Why would we? Sm- we don't know the damage is going to be caused by having 50,000 people there over two weekends. And once it happens, it's too late. All right, let me ask you this question. In
4: your humble opinion, should the city of Chicago turn over Grant Park every year for Lollapalooza? Go. Ooh. <laughs> you talk about passive versus
1: non-passive
4: use of a park?
1: Yeah. Mike Novak. They make a lot of money on that. See, I'd rather have it at a Grant Park than mess up Montrose Beach habitat. What if they discovered it was a bird at Grant Park that you were upset? Then you rope it off and say, get out of here mike novak has spoken <laughs> ladies and like, gentlemen like i have any uh say in <laughs> any hey, you're of you're the this. one who brought back
4: the chicago excellence gardening well you got more power than Rom. okay and you try to a cap, bat. i got a bat power. Here. mike novak says sorry Lollapalooza, beat it uh listen i'm just throwing that out there because i've no. had that argument no okay? no i i
1: understand <laughs> it in in that area downtown uh, we've got Millennium Park in Lurie Garden. It's a beautiful area. It's not a natural area. Yeah. It's an artificial area, but it is beautiful and it brings a lot of wildlife to it. Yeah. So if you're going to have Lollapalooza on the baseball diamonds, I really don't have a problem with that.
4: Okay. All right. Uh, who was I uh, having this debate with? At one point, I mildly criticized Lollapalooza. All right. And I got a earful. I can't remember who it was, but this guy, you don't know what Lollapalooza does for the city of Chicago, man. Blah, 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 blah blah I said, all right man calm down i will never ever criticize Palooza again all right uh that is mike novak i'm ben jarofsky uh, andrew schneider's in the studio getting ready to talk about landscaping no not landscaping landmarking historical issue yes we're going to keep novak in the studio and uh see what uh, uh andrew has to say about birds at montrose harbor Uh-oh. we'll be right back after this
6: Cirque du Soleil's Big Top comes
4: back to Chicago with its latest show, Volta. Venture into a captivating voyage of discovery inspired by the adventurous spirit of freedom where a surge of
6: action sparks a high-voltage journey. Volta, playing May 18th through July 6th under the Big Top at Soldier Field. Tickets at CirqueDuSoleil.com.
0: Volta thanks their partners, Hennessy Black and Champagne, Nicolas Fayette.
3: Today's Ben Jaromsky show was brought to you in part by Chicago Architecture Center. See the city from a whole new angle on a Chicago Architecture Center tour. With more than 85 tours to choose from, there are endless stories to discover. Book your tour at architecture.org slash tours. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm on a tour. Oh, my, what magnificent architecture. Get a special discount for Illinois residents from July 15th to August 15th. All Illinois residents get 50% off select walking tours. Visit architecture.org slash il-resident. Today's Ben Jaromsky show is brought to you in part by Green Element Resale. It's located at 6241 North Broadway in Chicago. And guys, it is amazing. Furniture, appliances, lamps, books, clothes, electronics. It's a thrift shop, but... It's the only thrift shop in Chicago that helps bring you the Bingerowski show. So if you're ever on Broadway between Granville and Devon, tell them thank you and go check out Green Element Resale and go buy something. 6241 North Broadway and find more information at GreenElementResale.com. Green Element Resale. It's a fantastic place for you to go and save tons. <laughs> Of money.
4: Oh, yeah. Uh, welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Yes, indeed. We are live from the Chicago Sun-Times. We've twisted Mike Novak's arm and forced him to stay, taking that baseball bat Ow. away from him. Ow. <laughs> Ow. And Andrew Schneider has just uh, entered the room. And by the way, I just remembered who it was that, oh my God, admonished me. Mark Thomas, if you're listening from the alley, he used to fill my ear. Uh, Andrew Schneider with uh, praise for Lollapalooza, talking about what the wonderful things, because I one time complained i made the mistake of complaining about how the Lollapalooza uh attendees trample the lawn at grandpa get off my lawn <laughs> it is terrible and, and man did i get an ear from mark thomas you don't know how much money they bring in the city of chicago all right
6: okay sorry mark thomas but uh, you know i i was listening to mike talk here and the the the, the city's sort of land grab, the Obama Center land grab, this is this is a, a pattern for the city of Chicago. Mm-hmm. It's a pattern that we've, we, everybody looks at those parks as land banks. Yeah. So it's just a question of until we find an appropriate use. That's kind of the general attitude. You see the city over and over again building high schools and, and elementary schools and baseball diamonds too, anything because they imagine, and th- this is the thing that frustrates me as, as a Chicago resident and a preservationist, that they imagine those, those parks are just, oh, what we did was we just, we decided <laughs> we should just draw a line around this space and That'll be our park, right? And, and then we we'll just leave it alone. Yeah. But what's actually happening when you look at Humboldt Park, William LeBaron and Jenny, right? Father of the skyscraper, he laid out our boulevard system. He uh, he put together a plan for Humboldt Park, and he bemoaned the fact that when they did this, there wasn't a single tree in Humboldt Park that was worthy of of saving. Yeah. Every single tree was scrub. It was junk. Those parks were built, and they were they were constructed just like a building. And everybody looks at them and they think, oh, it's a meadow, it's a stream, it's a lagoon. But every single feature was a constructed feature. They're not. They're. They're not just passive space. They're not space that we just drew a line around. They're something that you know generations ago Chicagoans built. They built mm-hmm. for everybody. And so to treat it like oh it's just empty land, it's phenomenally disrespectful. No, I. Th- and this was. uh
4: back when mike and i first moved to chicago this was common thought well this is actually a little before i moved to chicago there's several high schools whitney young curie high uh, i think robeson the the mayor daly uh, old man daly was expanding the schools we needed new schools so what he did was he had these intergovernmental agreements between the chicago board of education and the park district in which they would just build it on park district land because it's quote-unquote cheaper because it's available land and you don't have to buy it. So instead of negotiating with the landlord, you just cut a deal with the park district, which owes its jobs, is, you know, they're, they're under the thumb of Mayor Daly, and they turn over the land. And then when people like you, your predecessors from way back in the 70s, Andrew, complained, they called you elitists and snobs
6: and said you're against public education. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And and, it, and it's frustrating because they think, oh, this is great. We'll, we'll just decrease the, the, the cost of this. We'll, we'll make the project way cheaper than it should be. But we should just budget it to acquire the land i don't i don't understand why that's not not in the discussion it's always oh no, no this is this is free it's free well it's not free it's generations of chicagoans are going to pay the price from here on out
4: yeah and uh so so you're in favor of uh preventing that rock concert from disturbing the birds young andrew take a stand on this place. yeah no
6: i i, I <laughs> come on I, you don't know don't i, talk I had Dodge. to uh, logan square preservation is the is a partner for the arts fest that we had in the Uh-oh. square just last weekend so i always Uh-oh. struggle oh, oh, wait, with you this. made my
1: life miserable for a weekend uh, down well there. i'll, I'll, try I'll to kick get that around. over i'll oh, kick that over the fun. i am logan square
6: people <laughs> you know but no it's 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 a uh, I, I think that we all we should look askance at some of these things and really really be skeptical about them before we just go oh we'll we'll gate the park this weekend. I mean it's those are those are those are public facilities. Yeah. I, it's just
1: everybody everybody wants the best they they want i want i don't want just a park i want the best park okay i want the cream I, you know the obama say god we want jackson park we you yeah, know yeah we could put it someplace there but you know that's got a nice view and uh and that's what uh, george lucas said and that's what the the manby people are saying it's they want the the rock and rollers or alternative music or whatever the undergrounders there <laughs> they all want to stand in the lake and hear the music Good for you. Do it on the south side, all right? Or do it... Oh, d- I don't know why you would say Muskegon, do it on the Michigan. south side. I don't I would know. Say, I would say... I like uh, Muskegon. I, 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 Mus- I, the Muskegon man Come on, man.
4: I would say if that if you're... Um, uh, if you're trampling on parkland on the north side, it's just as bad to trample on parkland on the south side. And uh, this is the issue. This is where it gets. Uh, we get very territorial and tribal in the sh- city of Chicago. And so, for instance, the north siders who come down, uh, talk about Jackson Park and that you should not. The Obama should not put their center there. A lot of people on the south side say stay out of our business. We want yes, to put the Yes, they do. And there. I understand that. And but you know
1: what? As a citizen of the city of Chicago, That's my park. That's my park. Just as it's your park, just as it's anybody's so what park. Just, what I'm just saying, and is I have used it. If you, if you have an, been
4: down there, yeah. And I'm just saying, if you have an objection to a rock concert uh, on uh, Montrose Harbor, which is a store on the south side, I wouldn't say okay. Just and yet. and
1: and you know that was kind of cavalier, and I'll 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 withdraw that because what I would say there's one of the things they're doing on the south side in some of the parks is putting in beautiful uh, natural habitat, and and I wouldn't want the concert to to smash that either. And, uh, and some of that is ju- just gorgeous. Yeah. Now, lawn, eh, I don't have a whole lot of problem with, with people trampling on no. a lawn because it'll come back.
4: Yeah, all right. All right. Now, uh, and by the way, let's just say when we talk about the parks, we move on, I can never... We were going to have Olympics in the parks. You talk about destroying our oh, yeah. parks? Oof. We were going to de- turn over the parks <laughs> to the Olympic Committee. Oh, yeah. uh, speaking of bullets, we've dodged. All right. Better uh, than FIFA, I suppose, <laughs> right? Uh, all right. Uh, so, Andrew, you uh, had quite a... Uh, you uncovered quite a little treasure trove there. Let's switch gears to talk
6: about the historical past. Uh, You have some of the uh, material you... Yeah, I I just have a single uh, program here from 1977. This is... Those people who might have noticed in the news... uh, my good friends, Jacob Kaplan and Dan Pogajelski, I think are guests from time to time on this uh,
4: show. Once a month, they're known as the political know-it-alls because there's nothing they don't know about Chicago politics. Just ask uh, them, right? Yeah, just ask them. And, uh, but in their private lives, they're uh, well, preservationists.
6: That's, is, yeah. Preservationists and historians. We, I got to know them because Chicago historians are a, there, there's a, there's a relatively small group of us that are, that are a, a little too interested in this sort of stuff, mm-hmm. uh, too interested in anyway, to be interesting to most people. But they called me because one, this is sort of in in sort of my backyard, which is it's technically Avondale, but it's on the north side of diversity, just west of diversity, Kimball and uh, uh, Milwaukee. There was a there was a ward office and a ward office and a Democratic office back, you know, time immemorial for John C. Marson, who was the sort of the uh, kingmaker. He was a city clerk. He was a really important politician back in the day. And. they had heard for years, and this was in the news this week. They'd heard for years that the, the ward office, he died suddenly, he was in office, and they'd heard that it had just been closed up. The family just locked the doors,
1: nothing happened. Where was the office? Oh, gosh. Um, Diver- it was Diversity, and I, 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 when I read the article. I think it was Ridgeway, right? Diversity and Ridgeway? I don't think it was Ridgeway. Uh, I have to, I can find Central it. Central Park? It was
6: right by Central Park and Diversity. Okay. It was just yeah. a couple blocks west of right. Diversity and Kimball. Okay, um, that's what I thought you said. Go ahead. Yeah, and, and so. It, they finally got a hold of whoever had the keys and they let us in. And I, I was there when we sort of, it was kind of a little bit like King Tut's tomb, right? It was sort of just pull back the curtains and what do you see, Dan? Oh, wonderful things, right? Well, it's of course not gold, but it's political gold, <laughs> yeah. right? And uh, the political gold in this case is sort of every file you can imagine that was kept by a, a 60s era, you know, 60s, 70s era ward office. And so, you know, there was there was, there was a literal job Diversian file. and
1: Drake. There you go, diversity and Drake. And, and I remembered that because... I live between Drake and uh, St. Louis. Yeah. So there you go. Oh, it's a, and it's a lovely spot. It's, yeah. The buildings a, it's a
6: handsome building, but it was just, it, so they they had they just had curtains across the storefront windows. And it was that way for, for two decades, three decades. And we, we walk in and it's, there were the things we found in that ward office. First, it was kind of scary. I mean, it was dark, no electricity. You're in there with flashlights, but it was just, it was just packed. And I got the sense from going in that it wasn't just. Uh, it wasn't just the ward office, but the, you know, occasionally some somebody would come in and f- have something else and just kind of throw it on top of the pile. <laughs> you know, I, I yeah. can't swear that, but that's kind of the feel it had when you walked in. And we were pulling, you know, pulling well, stuff well, out of there. While
1: people were there or afterward?
6: What no, you doing, no, you know? long after. I mean, it was they just gave us the key. They just opened it up and so let us somebody, go So
1: somebody it sat there empty, and they would just throw more junk in there yeah. over the years. Over okay. the years, just yeah. occasionally, Who would be oh, the we'll just, person throwing the junk. I, in. I
6: imagine the family. Just hey, we need some place to store a couple of
1: chairs. Where, where, where should we put these? You know, I oh, will just throw them in the old ward office. You know. See, I kind of thought maybe it was like the Flying Dutchman where you walked in and there were still cigars that were smoking in the in the uh, ashtrays there you know?
4: It certainly had that feel to it. Exactly. So wait, who opened literally opened the door for you then? Who who even?
6: you know, I I showed up essentially they're like the door's open, we're not going to go in until you get here. Okay. I, I only I work and live out of my house. I live and work in you know, in the neighborhood. And So they I just zipped over there. And we and we walked in and and some of the records in there were just amazing stuff. He had a file of um he had a file of precinct captains and their associated jobs at the government, at various governmental levels. This is, these are my precinct captains. Here's the job each one of them has. He had, um, you know, lists of, I. you would flip through books and it would list favors that Marson had done for various people in the books. I mean, he recorded yes. it himself. Oh, yeah. In
4: handwriting. Yes
6: him or his people you know just so in other words garbage
4: can uh for andrew
6: yes i wrote down there yeah i I got that guy a garbage can or i i I got them a driveway permit (laughs) or i get i mean that sort of level of detail to sort of track the political back and forth between constituencies and and other politicians and marson
4: so that when uh marson's precinct captain would go to the door let's say of young mike novak who and uh he could say well i'd like you to vote for marson and mike novak would say well i'm an independent minded i (laughs) i want to go whoever the ivi suggests all right and uh they'll go oh yeah and they'll open up their book and go did you go to the ivi when you needed that garbage can mike novak <laughs> that is that have is it, precisely the it it, eh? <laughs> <laughs> and so i'll vote for Marson. is that how it works and that's
6: pretty much how it yeah. worked i mean yeah. it, I, that's my sense from re- looking at these files and material. It was, it was it was it was a treasure trove truthfully i'll
1: have you know i i did not post that on my own site i posted that article on a site called examining the evidence which is about primary sources ah. and these people are geeky enough to really i we got a lot of response to that yeah. on, on was that in the site. black club
4: i believe the article yeah, was in the black article was in Club. let's get jen sabella a shout out there oh absolutely uh, and mina club. bloom the, the reporter the that reporter put it together. right uh, and uh, so what else did you find any other interesting artifacts
6: boy in oh, uh, you know i i still feel bad we we were uh any I, money I was, I, there may Paul have been Powell? money in the in the basement, which was even more terrifying than the first level. There was an enormous cash register. It Looks like it dates back in the days it was a bar, uh, and it, it was heavy, and we could not open it. So there, I'm sure there was probably money in it, All but right. uh, but they uh, they were kind of clear too, like hey, you can take any sort of political and historical stuff, and you know, but we took. I, I remember we tried to take it had a it had the 35th Ward regular Democratic organization that was in neon. We tried to get that out. Um, it, those things were simply too fragile. One of the two signs broke trying to get. Out out of the window the other broke in, on the trip to to the storage unit but the I remember boy what was the thing I gotta give Dan and Jacob a lot of credit though because these guys pull to the, to those they Future Chicagoans and 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 people this metro area are going to owe those two a real debt. Not not only for doing stuff like this, but I mean these these are guys that one of the first things I did with them was go down to Evergreen Plaza, the mall down on the the, the far sort of south side there, mm-hmm. and ninety fifth, yeah, yeah. one of the first, essentially the first in mall in the metro area, mm-hmm. and. What did they want? They wanted the files. They went in there and they're pulling out records of the initial, the original stores that were in there. They're pulling out blueprints. They're pulling out. And and who's interested today in in the mall from the fifties, right? Who, but in fifty years, somebody's going to be really glad that those two pulled everything out of that mall.
4: Well, wow. uh, for ten trivia points, who was the developer of that mall? Andrew, Arthur Rubloff. Very good. How'd you know that? Uh, it was <laughs> it was up there. I knew it. I, I'm so stunned that you know that. <laughs> how do you
1: know that come on
4: (laughs) come on man i wrote a story about it at one point or another i've written about everything in the city folks before i did this gig i was writing about the city of chicago for over 30 years you're a writer uh yeah (laughs) paperback writer Well, you know the other thing that's crazy people
6: imagine and this is why i'm glad to, to know Jacob and Dan, because we we it's not just the Marson Archive, it's not just Evergreen Plaza. They've really kind of shown me and a bunch of other people that this stuff still exists and it, it still exists today in basements and in attics. Uh, Logan Square Preservation's taken big amounts of records from old churches that were you know destined for the trash heap. I actually we, we lease a building from the city of Chicago, and when we first leased it, we were going through it and we opened up. It had an attic. It's a comfort station in Logan Square. We we popped that hatch in this attic, and you, the things that were up in the attic, old WPA era posters that had just been thrown yeah. up there. Wow. Big signs for the different boulevards from Franklin Boulevard to Logan and Kedzie. But, you know, Department of Forestry, Richard J. Daley, Mayor. Uh, and there were even car fenders, like 50 zero car fenders that have been <laughs> thrown up there. What, so what, what is that document you have there? On oh, the this. Table? Yeah, this is a it's a program book from the annual dinner uh, benefiting the 35th Ward uh, regular Democratic organization, John C. Marson, clerk and Democratic Committeeman. And it's, you know, it's the kind of stuff you would get. What uh, year is it? Does it say 1977? so I even I was I was around in 1977, <laughs> and this was this was how they all did it. You know, yeah. they they have a whole they have a whole committee of people. You know, Frank Anunzio's on the on the committee. Yeah, There's John John Brant, and uh, you know, just lots and lots of uh, Thad Liskowitz, state rep, yeah, Dan Liskiewicz. Rostenkowski, Congressman Eighth District. Oh all you know, just and then you go through and here's <laughs> subscribers and sponsors, and yeah. it's just people patrons, well wishers, it just people that wrote a check and then got listed in the program book. This was a really uh, really popular thing to do at the time. Yeah, this that's how it really Raise money, money
4: for uh, the uh, the local ward organization remember uh, Your good friend Richard Mel, who was the alderman of the of the thirty third uh, ward. Uh, that's how he did. Uh, he would always he would have his people go around. Well, you want to buy an ad in the, uh, uh, the what the local
6: ad the ad book for the democratic organization it's it's like most ads are for newspapers it's just a book of ads you know what i'm saying well exactly and i remember pivoting to this other gentleman i mentioned earlier uh the the honorable nicholas b blaze mayor of niles
4: and before we get in nicholas uh, blaze we're gonna have to take a break we come back we'll talk about uh a legend who just passed nicholas blaze we'll be right back after this
3: read the chicago reader to get up to speed on what's what in chicago culture food The Bendrovsky Show is supported by the Northwestern Summer Writers Conference. Now in its 15th year, the three day conference held in Chicago features a diverse array of workshops, speakers, discussions, and readings. Learn more at sps.northwestern.edu/slash writers. Hey, have you uh, explored the new Suntimes.com? Our team at the SunTimes recently launched a brand new digital experience just for you, making it easier than ever to get the latest news and stay up to date on everything happening in Chicago. It's the same stories you love with a brand new face. Take a moment to check it out now and let us know what you think. Visit SunTimes.com. That's SunTimes.com today. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Uh, Mike Novak, put the bat down. Uh.
4: <laughs> Take us home, buddy. Yes, indeed. That super cool music means and another super cool show. It's not over yet. And by the way, I've been talking about Mike Novak today, Andrew. Uh-uh. Not only is he a gardener, not only is he the head of the Chicago Excellence Gardening Awards, and by the way, if you want to enter, you have until July 7th. One more time, ChicagoGardeningAwards.org. Not only does he host his own radio show not only did he go four for four the other day in a <laughs> softball game uh, even uh, steroid enhanced four for four I might say okay, Mike not no, does only, not do steroids not only has he taken a strong stand defending those birds at Montrose Harbor not only does he marry to a woman who mopped the floor with Elizabeth Warren back in 1960 something in Oklahoma not only that Andrew he plays a mean piano, and that is him playing right now, Lee. Thank you very much. The Thank talent you. is Thank amazing; yeah, it's an unbelievable. Way it's lonely at the top. Uh, it's like we. This is a segment of the show, uh, Andrew and Michael, that we call. Uh, what do we call this? Ask Leah asks. <laughs> no,
3: what is the, <laughs> it's that time of the program where we let our editor Leah step in? It's time for
4: <laughs> Leah's last word. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's a guy who went to radio school, ladies and gentlemen. All right, Leah step. Ben, you have some questions for these young men?
6: Sure. <laughs> so, uh,
5: in your opinion, what is the best public park in the city of Chicago and why? That's my first question. My second question is where in the city does there need to be a new public park?
4: Oh, I thought you were going to ask about the we Oh, you threw a curveball at me. <laughs> wow. Young Michael, go yes. ahead. Best public park and where should there be a
1: public wow, park? Best public park. That's a tough one. That's a really hard one because uh, different parks perform different functions. Uh, I mean, it would be really easy to just say uh, downtown, you know, stretching Millennium Park to Grant Park uh, and across because it has so many different uses. But there are some uh, gems, uh, you know, even like Humboldt Park. You know, in our on our area, that's the
6: one I was going to pick. Yeah, but, you know, because that's Humboldt Park bias. is it's
1: a it's a lovely little park and. Um, they've they've done they've transformed it in the last decade or so. Yeah, well, I, I would go with Humboldt Park simply because it's the only you know
6: it, it's easy as you say Grant Park Lincoln Park one of these mm-hmm. beautiful lakefront parks is nice, but. Humboldt Park is the only inland beach in the whole in the whole city. Mm-hmm. So you've got a public beach right in the neighborhood and a beautiful hundreds of acres of uh, historic Jens Jensen and William uh Jenny landscape.
4: It's got to yeah. be Humboldt well, Park. I,
1: I, we'll, we'll, we're going we're gonna go to go with uh, Humboldt Park. There we go. All
4: right. All right. And I'm going to ask the follow-up question that Leah was going I thought was going to ask. Maybe I misunderstood what she was going to ask, but I'll ask uh, uh, this question, uh, and that is uh, where, in your opinion— would be a more appropriate location for the Obama Center than Jackson Park, Young Michael.
1: Well, there there were uh, folks uh, who have th- been agitating for what was the area, the Washington uh, Park site, Washington Park site, which seems to make a lot more sense. Uh, there, you would you would take a site that is not already uh, a park that that has a historic value you could create that historic value on that site um and 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 i understand your question but we we already addressed that about people who who uh have uh who are stakeholders on the south side i understand i understand a lot of people they they're terrified that the economic benefit will not come to that area of the city and i understand that fear Uh, i don't think the Obamas are going to pull out. I mean, well, they they got what they want, so it's it's going to happen in Jackson Park. It's so a moot point. Yeah, really. But All right. I would, I, what I I'm worried go. about though is the tiger woods golf course
6: (laughs) that'll destroy the south shore nature
1: uh yeah so you are we going to do even more damage and and part of the deal it's funny nobody's been talking about that lately and part of it was we'll slip that in it sounds like it's part of the obama thing it's not really but we'll just kind of slide it in there and then suddenly that will be there too and people are going to love it and you know what it's going to do it's going to kick golfers out of the guys and i've played jackson park i love jackson park you walk jackson park it's it's an old time golf course where the ninth hole is the farthest distance from the clubhouse and then you walk walk. yeah it's a great walk and it's going to take guys who like to go there with their buddies and they bet on the holes and i mean if you've ever played down there um they're not going to be able to afford the the tiger woods course the pga style course so where are they going to go now they're you know they got force preserves, Forest preserves. That's it, about what it well, is. yeah, force preserves and city other city courses and what they're going to put their bags on the bus and on the train, which I have done on my bicycle. I've done it, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I've seen other, I'm not the only one. There's yeah. some guys who take their. Well, now
6: you can take your dockless scooter. You can just put it on your back and take your. Scooter. Yeah, he's oh, a big scooter guy. No, don't get me
1: started <laughs> yeah, on that. Man. Scooters.
6: Oh man! All right,
4: and but then, you
1: see six of them weaving towards you on a one-way street. They're going the wrong. Way, it's marvelous. Yeah. what could possibly go wrong?
4: All right, so I and the other question that I thought Leah was going to ask, maybe I'm just <laughs> thinking this is the question I wanted uh, to ask. I'll ask Andrew, get to, and then uh, Michael as well. Uh, we were talking about the park space and the use of park space, and there was a big fight over. Uh, George Lucas's proposal to put his museum uh, right on the lakefront, right near Soldier Field. And the people who are in favor of that are still chiding preservationists uh, about the, the fact that they chased George Lucas out of Chicago, noting that it is a parking lot. And so a lot of good you did uh, chasing away a development deal and le- leaving us with a parking lot. Love to hear. Looks like Mike Nowak is bursting oh, at the well, seams sorry, to respond. I'm, I'm well back.
6: We'll, 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 uh, Andrew, your thoughts well, and your I, response. I have some strong opinions. I, I often tell people you know, most of us, Logan Square Preservation, Friends of the Parks, we're just sort of animals. We're very predictable in how we're going to react. You know, you get it. an animal gets attacked or cornered, they they bite back. And you can expect the Friends of the Parks to Fight for public land. You can expect preservationists to fight for existing buildings. That's just what they're going to do. It's very predictable. So the first, the failure in the George Lucas Museum really rests at Rahm Emanuel's feet. It, it was he. He was the one who should have put up a stop sign for that site and said, "Hey, there, there's a lot of legal protections. There's a huge amount of hurdles to put a, put to put a museum here. Let's let's pick another site. We got a bunch of great sites. Let's pick somewhere else." And and he didn't. Uh, he presumably thought he could muscle this through through the council muscle it through the courts and it just didn't happen but it, i think that it, it's really important to note that this is the same dynamic we see trotted out with almost every development whether it's on public land whether it's on private land oh do you want a vacant lot or do you want this shiny new thing and it's 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 always a false choice because it's it's what happens to that site is 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 a spectrum it doesn't have to be the lucas museum or a parking lot now the city out of spite may simply leave it a parking lot but it doesn't have to be that that's a choice that the city is making and so the, the choice was for the lucas museum which they couldn't get and then they leave it a parking lot and they say look what you did and it's mm-hmm. like well no no no. What, what we did was fight to make sure that in in 50 years when the next mayor goes or the 50, mayor of 50 years from now goes hey thank god we, we were able to build you know the spaceport there or whatever gets built there uh green space hopefully uh that's that's something that's going to have been bequeathed to those people by friends of the parks and they deserve a lot of respect for i uh, humbly
4: agree and i your point is very well taken it was a false choice uh and even now when when <laughs> it's such a predictable response oh mm-hmm. look at that parking lot hope you like that parking lot mike novak because yeah. it's your fault there's a parking lot
1: and what would we have had in return i mean really the uh the bird dropping by the lake i mean that, that was a pretty interesting design at yeah,
6: Jabba's palace of yeah. There. yeah
1: yeah yeah there uh, were but, so- but you're right about that it's it's people go to that parking lot false argument uh at least i'll tell you what at least it's an open space it still is i can see the lake you can still see the lake through yeah it.
4: and and there's always the opportunity that you convert it into <laughs> passive park space which is green grass uh where people can walk and think and 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 yes mike you're correct in their brains they'll be furiously contemplating the universe but on the outer appearance it'll be passivity <laughs>
1: passiveness <laughs> all right hey you know uh, if i had my way i i'd be raising lake point tower cuz it violated that the spirit of that law that that you know why why can they get away with it and then the blue cross building and all those buildings there that just violated the spirit of that law
6: absolutely we, we in 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 Logan square, we had a building line, right? There's a, there's a, there's a building line that's on the survey maps from when the boulevards were laid out saying, you can't put a building in front of this. And this, and we took that sort of stuff so seriously that in the 1890s, the West parks, which were in charge of that, they made a a guy tear his home down because it violated the building line. 60s roll around. We let them build that uh, building on the Northeast corner of California and Logan. It violates the building line. uh, You know, it's, it's 25 feet past the building line. Nobody says boo. All right. Uh, The, uh, the,
4: the inconsistencies of preservation and taking care of parks by the way i must uh make a pitch i forgot to announce that uh, when this show is over I'll be heading over to the hideout to do first tuesdays our political talk That's show right. i do it with it's the great Day. young mcdumkey uh Six thirty at the hideout we're all fired up we're going to open up uh to do something we've never done for first tuesday we uh, talking about doing this forever and sort of recreate the um, back and forth that Mick and I political back and forth we have on all issues of the day on the phone and in uh, in this podcasting right here on this show so we're going to do that live, we're going to involve the audience, 6.30, first Tuesday, Mick is going to explain uh, who he is uh, in favor of for the presidential race uh, I'm just kidding there, Mick uh, is old school reporter and he does not show favors uh, but we'll be talking about all <laughs> the debates, yeah you yeah, always i'm old school ben uh and uh so we'll be talking about local politics national politics state politics getting the audience involved so at uh the hideout first tuesdays tonight i'll be heading over there uh at six thirty. the show starts 6 13 54 west Wabansia.
1: so i had to get that plug in there i got one life. more thing for you because i actually did some homework for this show that we didn't get to and so we'll do it next time and i i took it apart it's not exactly like reading the Mueller report <laughs> but but i read oh my goodness he's got it he's actually sort of threatening us with he's it. on page three okay <laughs>
4: no uh, i've read the entire Mueller report here in yeah, the camera all right all right
1: all right. Well, <laughs> I, <laughs> I read the transition report for Lori Lightfoot. Oh, yes. Not the whole thing, the environmental part mm-hmm. of the transition report. Yeah. Have you read it? I have not. Yeah. Um, don't bother. All right. Okay. Okay. That's, that's good to know. Be, that'll be the next time. Uh, recycling is mentioned exactly once, uh-huh. and it's to say, we think people should have recycling in their homes. Honest to God. it's That's it. That's yeah. the reference to it. You know, it's
4: hard to uh, get people in the city of Chicago and in, in the official, you know, the leaders of the city of Chicago to care about the environment. Young Mike, when they view the parks as <laughs> a land, bank? land bank, you know what I'm saying? It's you're just when they scoff at people who say, hey, we shouldn't have a rock concert in Montrose because it's going to scare off the birds. You know, it's just. There's just an instinctive reaction in the city of Chicago, Andrew, you know this, just to, to dismiss the concerns of environmentalists to uh, marginalize the concerns of preservationists i've been dealing with this for years and years writing all these stories i've seen it going on since i moved to chicago in the 80s and some things don't change you're mocked you're maligned you're despaired they make fun of you they're still even at home you, even
1: <laughs> <laughs> i've got a baseball bat all right i'm just
4: telling you i've got a bat here all right uh, before we head out the door uh you got to talk about nick blaze a legend
6: a oh, political got legend
4: to. Uh, from Niles
6: the late uh, late lamented Nick blaze he was uh, he was quite the individual I, I as a young reporter I was a reporter many eons ago and he he was sort of my first beat and so he was terrifying he wouldn't he wouldn't there was no there was no hello or goodbye with Nick blaze he would mm-hmm. you would ask questions and at the end he would go okay and hang up the phone mm-hmm. and it was always he he, <laughs> he explained it to me later is oh I'm, I'm just a lawyer I bill for my time if I if and he would say it this way well you know if I start every conversation with oh how are you how are you doing? How are your kids? How he goes, it 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 takes my time. I can't afford that. I, I need a bill for my <laughs> time. So he was, uh, but you know, he it takes so much time to <laughs> say hello, <laughs> but he was, he was such a character. I spent, I mentioned this in writing that book, I spent 24 hours with him in his office. I went in with a recorder and I, and I took, and then I transcribed it. I said, look, I'll let you cross out. You don't want to be quoted saying something. And there was a lot of things he didn't want to be quoted saying, but he was a, he was a really interesting guy, really hard worker. I, I remember the, the, when we mentioned this 35th award democratic organization book that people would tell me, Oh, just ask Nick blaze about his ad book. And in, in the corner of his office, he had a stack of them, you know, they were they were all of his ad books. It was an entire stack, and by the end, you know, it was huge. It was it was a hundred pages worth of worth of display ads from people that presumably were just intimidated into buying an ad. But he didn't, and he would say, printed the book, and everyone's like, well, where's the book? Where's the book? He'd print one. You know, he just he'd take the money, he print one book. By the end, <laughs> I've got a copy of the 07 book. It's enormous. I've never seen another copy anywhere else. And I mean, it isn't designed very well, so that's probably for the best. But he he was such a he was such a character. I remember. When I finished the book, I had gotten a publisher, he he had sort of served his 10 months in prison. Yeah. Talk, all right. Yeah. His, you just tried that one out. He went to prison for what? He went to prison for essentially he, he had steered, he had used the power of the municipality. He, he had divided up the, the municipality in such, to such an extent that no one at the department level talked to anyone else. Mm-hmm. So that he would pick up the phone and call department heads. And so they were all used to, nobody knew what he was doing with the village. And so he'd, he would be strong arming a business to buy insurance policy that he'd then get a referral fee or a kickback on. And that, that building department inspector that went out that would do it and then he'd call the cops and say hey you got to go ticket those those cars they've got parked there and so he'd bring every single department in against a business to, to sort of pressure them and and they this was the stuff the feds trotted out and none of them knew that they were all working in concert because none of them talked to one another mm-hmm. he he had taken such control of the various you know, arms and branches of that of that municipality, but so ultimately he pleads guilty. He went he went to prison. He told me, in fact, he paid his lawyers a flat fee. That was his that was his way of handling. It. He says I could have paid him by the hour, or I could pay him a flat fee. So I paid him a flat fee, and then you know, I says I just strung it out for a while. <laughs> <laughs> and he was he was really assertive about it, very confident. And at the end, I said, look, I have a publisher. He's out of he's out of prison now. He served his ten months in in Minnesota, and he and I said, I've got a publisher. Do you want to read the book before I before I send it off? And he goes, ah. Uh, Just bring me the last page. I just want the last page. So I bring in the last page. He he sits there. He's these enormous glasses in his office. His office, which is still there by the way, it's just been walled off in the the private office. And it's uh, he puts on his glasses and he reads it and he kind of slides it back across the table at me and he says, "Looks okay." And I said, "Really? That's that's it? You don't want to no thoughts or anything?" And he says, "Well, he says just ask this. He says if I if if you mention me going to prison, just make sure you're clear. It was ten months." He takes his glasses off and leans forward over the table and says, that was less than Martha Stewart. (laughs) <laughs> and the bar is low <laughs> yeah all right it was okay. so he but but you know the people in niles and, and it is funny right because the, the people in niles there's this divide there between you know the businesses that are all there that are some of which are local you know voters and constituents but many of them are not they're people that live out of them but they're the ones that pay all the bills yeah. the huge amounts of sales tax dollars flowing into niles and so the residents of course love the guy why what's not to love? Cheap taxes, great services, you know, fitness centers and senior, all this great programming, and none of them pay for it. And, and of course, they didn't object even to this, you know, potential alleged, you know, found guilty of, of kickback schemes because none of them were, none of them were as voters. None yeah. of them were as constituents. And none of them
4: were shaken down. i uh, it, it reminds me, there's a lot of people I know who still... Uh, have really nice things to say about George Ryan, the former governor who uh, of Illinois, who did time for uh, shaking down uh, various businesses, taking bribes, et cetera. And when uh, when 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 some of these people talk about George Ryan, they're like, ah, come on! And then they'll talk about the things he did, X, Y, Z. So I guess beauty is in the eye, eye of the beholder.
6: Yeah. One uh, one more thing I want to mention about him because it's it's important. He was he was a real charming guy. It, w- it was hard to write a book about him and 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 be critical because he was he was if if you if he wanted to intimidate you, he'd intimidate you. But if he wanted to make you your friend, his friend, he would do that too. And and he used to carry he would keep a copy. Of, he had a Signet Classics copy of Machiavelli he's the prince he would keep it on his desk and i asked him once because everybody would tell me about this his you know his trustees that served under him oh, always got that that prince on his desk you know he's he's terrifying he's scary and i asked him that once he goes oh well you know i always like to make friends he says i thought that was better than intimidating and making people ruling by fear he says but i like to leave this thing out on my desk because i wanted people to think is he like that Is he he Machiavellian? Is he terrifying? Uh, I mean, the guy was really, I mean, and he was charming. He was a nice guy.
4: He was a charming man. And Nick Blaze, forever and ever, mayor of Niles. Uh, He only made that one mistake, went to federal, but he, but. In his defense, did less time than Martha Stewart. Less time than Martha Stewart, but more time than Mike Novak. Mike (laughs) Novak considerably more. I hear uh, (laughs) they haven't caught up with me yet. Uh, Anyway, that is Mike Novak. Uh, Andrew Schneider, thank you so much for being on the show as well. Also, want to thank Maya Dukmasova. She was here at one thirty. She did a magnificent job. Leah, as always, you did a great job, and of course, the man, the myth. The pride and joy of Alton, Illinois. And Mike Novak will tell you. And Andrew Schneider, they've been on this show. They know. You know what they call it back in Alton, don't it's, you? It's white
6: lightning, isn't That's it? That's white lightning.
4: <laughs> no one's ever called that in my life. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so anyway, you did a great job, Dr. D. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. In a little while, I'm heading over to First Tuesday. So show up at the hideout, everybody. 1354 West Waubonsia. We'll find out who Dumpkey is going to support for President of the United States. See you tomorrow, everybody. And remember, everybody, to catch the Mike Novak Show on 1590
3: AM radio and 95.9 FM radio, WCGO, Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. until 11. It's a fantastic program. And remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows at both Chicago Reader and Chicago Sun-Times websites, chicagoreader.com, chicago.suntimes.com forward slash Jarofsky, or wherever else you download your favorite podcasts. We're now on Spotify. Tell your friends. See you tomorrow.